you then tell me how easy it is to go and do videos every week. You go and tell me how easy it is to write scripts and to talk to a camera and to film all this bullshit and to actually do these videos and make them work. You go and try to promote videos every week and you put a post and you have two likes, you know, like it is always, always against you. The algorithm is against you. The Twitter is against you. Reddit is against you. Everyone is against you. It's just hard. And at some point, the only thing left for me is to just do whatever I want. That's what I've reached my conclusion. I'm excited to introduce for the season finale the ever-present Hugo Guerra, who is a director, supervisor, teacher and compositor in visual effects and video game cinematics. Together, we talk about creating an independent career in visual effects, the value of online courses and how YouTube creates a distorted image of the work behind the scenes. You are listening to The 21 Artist Show, a podcast that inspires creatives to make meaningful content to pursue their passions. I'm talking with creators, artists and engineers about their careers, lessons they have learned and how to make an impact. I'm your host Alexander Richter, I'm a technical director and coach in visual effects, animation and games. For more content, go to 21artistshow.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Hugo. It's lovely to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Alex. It's been a long time coming. I'm very happy to be here. Big fan of your, of your YouTube channel, big fan of your podcast. So yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, thank you. I'm also a big fan of your of your work. Basically, I was I was watching it for for years now. I mean, your YouTube channel, Hugo's Desk, is a, a big contributor. I feel like for the industry, especially for compositing. So and and we are all also kind of connected already for years now. And it's so fantastic to actually meet for this episode. The idea of this episode is to talk a little bit about being independent in visual effects and animation. And I feel like you are one of the people who are always looked up to and say like, oh, you know what? Uh, I would love to, to kind of have this environment and this professionalism as Hugo has, for example. You know, I watch your YouTube uh, clips. I, I know your your work in terms of your courses and stuff like that. So I was on, always wondering, like, how did you get there? So before we go into that, I would be important for me to a little bit understand a little bit your career that made it actually happen. So can you give us a little bit of a rundown as like, how did you start actually in visual effects and as a compositor? First of all, thanks so much for your, for your kind words. I'm really, really happy to hear that, that you enjoy my channel. And, and yeah, you were, at, you were saying how long it has been. It, it started in 2015, so it's going to be six years next month. Uh, so it's been, it's been a big journey. <laughs> but yeah, I don't want to spend too much time explaining what I've done. I'll be brief, I promise, because <laughs> I've told this story so many times. But I'm Portuguese, if anyone doesn't know, like I come from Portugal. My background is arts. I did a, a degree, a master's in fine arts. That was my background, painting, actually. And, uh, you know, but unfortunately in Portugal, it's not very easy to make a living as an artist. So I kind of had to like uh, uh, do, you know, try to put food on the table. So I, I was very good in computers. I started messing around with After Effects and Premiere very early on in the late 90s. And this was because I was doing a lot of video art and short films and music videos with my colleagues on the art school. Uh, and so I started learning that. And so I became a motion graphic artist. I did a lot of motion graphics for, uh, you know, for television, for commercials, for corporate films in Portugal. 
I also did some short films, uh, even did like a TV film as well. I directed a TV film in Portugal. And then, you know, Portugal doesn't really have a very big uh, industry. It's very small. Uh, you don't really get well paid and you you can't really live from it. So I, I had to leave. Uh, and I did. I, I did a show reel back then on a DVD and I sent it to like hundreds of places all over Europe. Um, I literally sent it to hundreds of places and I only got a response from two or three companies. One of them hired me. It was a company in Sweden called Animac. Became an art director on that company, doing, uh, you know, Final Cut editing, doing After Effects, doing Photoshop work. And I stayed there for three years, did a lot of motion graphics for and also video editing for commercials, for film, for like a lot of things we did there. And eventually I started learning Nuke while I was on that job. And kind of that's kind of like how this entire thing started with Nuke. Uh, became quite good at Nuke, you know, after dabbling with After Effects and dabbling with Shake and dabbling with Fusion. Uh, and then I kind of moved back to London, uh, moved to London after three years. That was like 2009. And when I came to London, I was already very proficient in Nuke. I've been using it for three years and I was using Nuke since the first day it was available for everyone. So so there wasn't a lot of people uh, that knew Nuke back then because most of the country was Shake based, you know, from Apple Shake, from the software, the compositing software before Nuke came around. So when facilities switched to Nuke, I think I was kind of like on the right time, on the right place. You know, I was one of the few seniors around that knew Nuke. And so I started like freelancing in London, worked at Nexus for a long time, you know, and then I kind of went in and out of the mill as well, did a lot of other jobs in London. Eventually, the mill asked me to come in uh, as the head of Nuke. Uh, back then, I was a uh, co-head of Nuke with Juan Brokaus. We were both heads of Nuke. Uh, then we developed a department there for a lot of years. I was there for five years. We made a huge team of Nuke compositors on the company transition. The company was just transitioned from Shake to Nuke. And then I left the mill. Like I left the mill in 2015. I kind of wanted, you know, after... A very, you know, I, I really enjoyed working there, of course. It was lovely. It opened all sorts of doors. It was, I had a lot of friends. I still have friends today. I still have clients from there as well. Uh, but I, I felt like I couldn't really go any further. You know, I was a VFX supervisor at the mill. The mill is a very old company. It has a lot of people that have been there for a much longer time than me. I felt that I was a bit stuck. You know, I couldn't really evolve because I really wanted to direct things. So I left. I left and... Started my dabbling on directing since 2015, and and I did. I I found a partner on a company called Fire Smoke, which is an agency in London that does a lot of cinematics for games. And so I did. I did. So far, I did 14 cinematics for video games for different games. Sometimes in house, sometimes in game cinematics, sometimes trailers, sometimes cinematics for the commercials. Uh, but yeah, I've been just basically directing. Uh, game cinematics ever since. Still go on set to supervise as well. And I've worked with a lot of companies. I've worked with Ubisoft with their cinematics. I've worked with Activision. I've worked uh, with... Uh, currently, I'm working for Rebellion uh, Studios, which I'm doing a cinematic for them, directing a cinematic for them. I've worked with Sony PlayStation as well. So, which is a dream come true. You know, I'm a big gamer. So this was really like fun, fun to kind of like get into that. I still composite my own projects, so I still am a composer on my own productions that I direct, which is very uncommon. Uh, and I still edit them, and I still grade them. So I'm 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 a bit of a control freak on my productions, and and I still do all those things. 
Um, but I'm doing less, of course. But I, I, I now have larger teams around me, of course. But that's where I am right now. This is kind of like my professional life, uh, so to speak, of how it's going, you know. Currently, yeah, I'm directing for Rebellion Studios. That's, that's the, my current day job at the moment. Forgot to flip the screen. <laughs> I don't see myself. <laughs> oh no, it was awesome. Uh, I, I, some of that I didn't actually know. Because <laughs> the thing is, what I, I like about your career is uh, you were at so many places. So I was just uh, browsing through your LinkedIn profile. And I was like, I was just clicking on uh, like five more experience, five more experience and five <laughs> more experience. And I'm like, when does it stop basically? And, and that shows how, how uh, a little bit of, a, of the typical way of this industry, but also like how successful you were, because in a way this, this changing, it's, it's very typical, but you also were uh, longer times in some companies. It was not just like three months projects all the time, but also you stayed at, at some companies and my question is like basically because the, the topic is a little bit of this kind of uh, your current independence uh, way of doing things is like, was that something that you always kind of wanted when you started in this or how did it change? What, what was the beginning when you were starting in the industry? What was like your goal? I think I did, of course. Like I, I think from the beginning, you know, coming from an art school, doing a lot of video art, doing a lot of short films, I found a lot of success in short films and I even got some awards in Portugal and everything. I thought I was going to be directing, you know, I thought I was going to become a director. Of course, directors are usually independent and they usually work for hire and they usually work project by project. It doesn't really work that way. It's not easy to be a director. It's not easy. I couldn't really do that. Um, I tried, but I had to like go in another way. I was very technically skilled, so I kind of used that to my advantage to try to like, uh, you know, get some work, you know, get some financial stability so that I can kind of like return to it. And I... I think that's what I'm doing now. I'm trying to return to a more independent freedom. I, I've always been very creative, you know, Alex. That's the thing. Like I, 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 you know, I know a lot of people that prefer to stay on a company for 10, 20 years. I don't really like that. I, I also, I, I don't really see myself working for other people. I, I don't really enjoy the fact that I'm staff on a company. As much as I loved working at the mill and it was amazing and it's one of the best places I've ever worked. It was also very, very, it was a struggle as well for me as an artist, you know, because I was working with other people's work, you know, I was not really being able to give my own spin on things. And that's what I'm trying to do now. Obviously, I'm working on much smaller projects. I'm working on much smaller, uh, low budget or things that we didn't like at the mill. We had like much larger budgets, but I prefer the control. I like to be more part of projects. I like to to try to give my own spin on things. I like to give my own uh, style to things. Um, and I think that's why I, I don't think it's for everyone, independency, and I don't think it's for everyone to go and try to do your own thing. It's also very difficult. But, uh, but I, I really recommend if, if you are very artistic and if you really love to do your own personal projects, maybe you should try because... Because that means if you're doing if you're doing more personal personal projects than you're doing actual work, then that means that something is off balance, you know. Um, I just prefer I don't like working for other people. I prefer to work for myself. Life is too short, you know. Like and I, <laughs> I and I I look at myself and I think like oh I'm already I'm already forty I'm gonna be forty three this year, and I'm thinking man how long do I still have to do anything? I probably have maybe a good twenty years left, maybe not even that. So how many projects can I do? Maybe I can do 15 projects uh, in the la until I die. 
So I start looking at that in that way. So I'm, I might as well make them count. You know, that's how I started thinking about it. Instead of just like doing endless commercials and endless, pardon the pun, bullshit jobs that really, ah, I don't really have any connection with whatsoever, you know. I found it kind of funny because you are currently working for Rebellion and I couldn't imagine a better title for a company that you are working for, <laughs> basically, because it's always felt like, you know, watching watching you throughout the years and um, like watching you a little bit also live uh, in terms of like if we speak or for example, or watching your, one of your uh, panels and podcasts is basically, it's always feels like you're always a little bit like rebellious in, in, in a way. And, and, and I like that because it attaches something to what I think everyone has, this rebellious side, this side of, um, I want to do it my way. Not rebellion in terms of like, yeah, like just against, but more of rebellion in terms of, I don't like the way it works, or at least not for me. So I do it my way and I try to figure out my way without like, you know, stamping on other people's thing. Like, do your thing, I'm doing my thing, but not like just kind of bow down and say, you know, this is the career. I don't like a lot of things of that, but I will follow it because this is the way and everything else will be basically pain and conflicts and whatever. So I really, I really like that. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to, to actually have you on the podcast because I enjoy that <laughs> part of you. I, I, li I like that you think like, it's funny, right? Like it's funny. It's funny to hear someone else talking about that perspective. I didn't really thought about that. <laughs> I didn't really want to sound like a rebellious person. I don't even think I'm that rebellion. Um, you know, I, I'm not. <laughs> I actually think I'm pretty safe and I'm actually quite, uh, but I, I understand exactly what you mean. And it's funny that you're saying that because it is exactly like that. I only want to do things my way for sure, you know, because I think it has to do with, with, with Portugal a bit. I think so, because in Portugal, I went in the art school, I spent like, like five years on that art school, learning how to be creative, how to have my own uh, voice and how to like, basically Whenever you go to art school, you're basically taught to have your voice, to basically show what you want to do and, and have your own path. And I think I've never left that, you know. So in, in a way, that's why I was saying that I'm, I'm, I, I try to bring a lot of uh, art inspiration to my work and, and artistic flair because I do like to have my own voice. I try my best. Sometimes I'm not, I don't get the chance to, to, to get my own voice. And, and it's funny you're talking about rebellion. Re Rebellion is a, a very uh, uh, off-the-cuff company for sure. Not that I, you know, I didn't came to them in purpose. Of course not. Uh, uh, you know, like, You're like it happened. Okay, it was, what name matches my inner beliefs? Basically, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, you know, it happened. It was like a, a coincidence. But they are very different for sure. And I think that name comes from that. You know, they they do things differently. I really like working with them. They're amazing. And it's been amazing to work for a year now. I've been directing a cinematic with them for one year now. Uh, and it's been really cool to work with their amazing team, their VFX team led by, by Sun and by Annie Shaw as well, the producer. It's, it's just been, been great working with them. And they are different. I do like working with different companies for sure. And, I, and when I came into the mill, the mill was also different. I don't think it is that way anymore. A lot of things have changed since I left the mill. It's been bought by Technicolor. Also, most of the people that were there when I was there, they've left as well. So it's not really the same company anymore. It's a lot more corporate company. When I was there, it was still owned by 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 a few people, you know. So it, it's different. Uh, I think th things change when that happens as well. So 
Yeah, but I think that's that's also important because a lot of times I talk with with successful people and people who want to really push. I always have the feeling they're always kind of also pushing uh, like their own boundaries, not not just in terms of skill, but also in 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 belief. So it's always kind of like you know, um, I'm, you you were you were a supervisor already. You know? I mean, there is not much to go there you know you can basically attract bigger projects but like uh, wh what do you want to, to be ceo basically it's the only thing that would be the next yeah, step yeah. there um but you're still kind of you know what i have a comfort situation here uh, like a job but you're still kind of you know what but that's not exactly what i want to do you know it's not about the supervising role uh, that makes me fulfilled and that makes me interesting and nowadays for example what i really uh like from from your side is like you're you're do you're combining things you know you love games so you do a lot of game like cinematics and stuff like that yeah. and, and and that's amazing i think that's something where where you can see this you know you don't have to separate everything you know your job and your your hobbies i feel like you you can combine them in in a lot of sense and i think that's what i see from you also I definitely agree with that. I'm sure Anna, my wife, agrees with that as well, that I do live and work and work and live. It's the same thing for me. It's always been, you know, Alex, that's the, I think it's a problem as well, but I've never been very good at separating anything. My my life is one single garbage truck on fire, you know, that kind of keeps going until I, it stops, I guess, when I die. And it is a bit like that. It is a bit like that because, <laughs> because the thing the thing that happens is that you know I play games and I'm always thinking, oh, I'm maybe I'll do something like this or maybe I'll contact that studio because I like their game, or I'm watching a film and I'm thinking, oh man, I should do a a, a little sketch on 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 YouTube or maybe talk about this film. I'm always always thinking about something that I'm gonna do. I'm never really like looking actively for a job. I'm just like doing stuff. Obviously, I'm. I must say that I don't want to sound like a dick, you know, like I am incredibly grateful that I've got the opportunities that I got and and that I'm actually blessed that I'm doing things that I love. Not everyone has that luxury, you know, and so I'm blessed every day by that and until it stops, you know, if it does stop, I'll do something else. But I've never really managed to separate anything. And these days it is merging more and more, you know, because I'm now focused more on my YouTube channel. I'm focused more on my streams. Um, I'm already kind of when I'm doing a job, you know, I'm I'm currently directing uh, for Rebellion, and I'm already thinking ahead. Like, we're almost done. W what is going to be the YouTube video I'm going to make about this? And oh, maybe I'm going to do a stream about that shot, and or maybe I'm going to do an interview on this guy. I'm already on one step ahead, thinking what's the content I'm going to create from that trailer. So I think it is all merged for sure. That's something that started happening at Fire Dot Smoke because at Fire Dot Smoke. They were very open to that, you know. It was owned by a, a dear friend of mine, Will O'Connor, and he was very open with that. I was telling him, you know, can I use these shots on YouTube? Can I make tutorials? Can I make this, this construction videos? And that was very new, you know. Not a lot of productions used to give shots in production for people to play around on YouTube. And they said yes, you know, and we got clearance from the studios and we got clearance from the games industry. They were fine with that. Most of them, like, I did a bunch of videos about Homefront Revolution and, and them Buster, the studio that made that game, and Deep Silver, they loved it so much that they've retweeted my videos. They retweeted my tutorials, you know. So they they thought it was more publicity for their game. They were very happy to to allow me to show production shots and to show the green screens and to show the plates and to show the behind the scenes. Very different from the film industry, which never allows you to show anything, you know, and I, I really enjoy the games industry because of that, because they are very open. They want to show 
every publicity, no matter what it is, it's always good publicity for them. And that's been really refreshing to see and to work that way, you know? Yeah, it was also refreshing for me to see like your videos and then see like real cinematics from uh, like real games that you maybe even played yourself. And then you're like, oh, he breaks it down now. Like, like this is something you like, I mean, like if you uh, did worked on Marvel or what or Avatar or something, good luck. Like you can never break <laughs> it down. Like this is, you can, yeah. you can maybe like color paint the, the final image a little bit and say like, oh, this is something here background or something like that, <laughs> you know, but, but that, that, so that was something where I felt like your quality jumped extremely and it feels more relatable to reality. You know, it feels yeah. more to, you know, no, it's not that example, you know, the cube basically, um, that you are doing, but you're doing like, this is the real, real thing. And I show you how I did it. And if you like the final results, then maybe you should learn how I did it basically. Yeah. And that's something I really yeah. enjoyed by watching your videos. That was the whole point of my doing my YouTube channel. Of course, my YouTube channel has gone through a lot of phases, you know, Alex, like, because as much as people think, oh, I'm just going to open the YouTube channel. It didn't really happen that way. You know, like I I started the YouTube channel completely randomly. I, I was still at the mill when I opened up the YouTube channel. And I back then on the first videos, I only was playing games. I was like playing games while I was commenting the games. It wasn't even tutorials. All those videos are gone. I removed all those videos from my YouTube channel because they embarrass me. I don't really want to watch that anymore. <laughs> <clears throat> but that's how I started. I started by having gameplay videos like everyone else on YouTube and slowly but surely I started like oh maybe I'll do like a tutorial here and then I did you know the 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 series of you just have to be better the short ones and then I did another one and then I did another one it was completely un I never had a plan Alex at all you know and it took a long time you know I to have the first 1000 subscribers it took me like a year you know I wasn't even looking at it you know I wasn't even looking at it I just like started putting some videos here and there. There wasn't a lot of new composting videos on YouTube. Now there are, of course. And then it kind of started growing. And then I started doing the disconstructions. And then I started doing the, the podcast. And then I started doing like, like the streams. And then I started doing like more complex videos. Then I even started doing reviews. It was all so organic. There was no plan. I've never... This is a problem I have, Alex. I have no plans. Nothing is planned. <laughs> I never have planned. This is something that really, really this like, it stresses Anna, my wife, and and it also stresses me sometimes. I really don't know what I'm gonna do next year. I have no plans. I have no, I don't know. I'm I maybe next year I'll do something else on the channel. And this is why you see so many different things on the channel. You see no consistency whatsoever. I I've tried that. You know, whenever you see those videos saying your YouTube channel has to be consistent, you have to put a video every week, and you have to do it at that hour and this hour. I given up. I tried so many times to do that, but you know, life happens and then problems happen and then it doesn't really work out. And then YouTube's algorithm sucks for small channels. You know, they don't care about the small channels. They only care about the big ones. So I gave up. I put a video when I put, I prepare the video when it's done, when it's done, it's done. If it takes me a month to do it, that takes me a month to do it. If it takes me an afternoon, it takes me an afternoon. Sometimes I put two a week. Sometimes I put one a month. Sometimes I spend three months without putting anything. I've given up trying to have a consistency. I, I'm ready when I'm ready. That's kind of how I'm now thinking of my channel. You know, like I, I don't really, because you see, it's my channel, right? It's not someone else's channel. So if someone wants to watch it, very happy that they're all here. But I, I you know, I constantly get messages from people. Oh, why don't you put more tutorials? 
And I always answer the same way. Well, you know, there's a lot of tutorials out there now. I, you don't need my tutorials anymore. There's other people doing tutorials. So many other. What's the point of me doing another tutorial with the same topic? You know, I'm trying to do something different. I'm just like trying to do other things that, that I like and that I enjoy. That's kind of why, why I started doing the podcast I'm doing now with Ian uh, from Before and Afters. I really enjoy doing that. It's in. I might stop in a few months. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but it, it's it's definitely, yeah. There's no plan. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry for the disappointment. I mean, I can totally relate to that uh, because because that's the thing. I think every YouTuber goes through. It doesn't matter how big you are. It's like you start to uh, to do your your thing, and then uh, you you think like, oh, this will be going like that way. And after some <laughs> months, you get bored. You kind of uh, yeah. felt like, because if you're recording, I'm not sure how it for, it's for you. It is a lot of like pain in the beginning. It is very painful, like just recording because I, I don't know. I, I don't know how your making offs look like, but my making offs are basically, hi and welcome. Uh, hi and <laughs> hi. And, and then you can really see sometimes me like getting really frustrated in the, of, like in the, in the cuts that I, the things that I cut because I'm like, like I cannot say the easiest sentence anymore. And then it feels like every step of that becomes painful. And then when you think about the next video already, like I sometimes get nervous about that, you know? And that's the <laughs> point where I stop normally because it feels like work. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you don't get anything out of it in terms of like money or, or yeah. something. So, so the moment I feel like YouTube is not my work at the moment, so I don't want to feel it like work, I normally stop. And that's why I f absolutely feel you my, my channel is also very inconsistent in a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you're saying that, you know, because people really have the wrong idea. <clears throat> it is not easy to do YouTube for sure. You know, I also have the same problem as you, Alex. Not as much now, you know, it flows a lot better now. Ever since, no, it's a bit, it's, it's practice, you know. Yes. I started, when totally. I started, it was terrible. It was like that as well. Like, oh, I am never... Uh, uh, it was exactly the same thing. But then I started practicing and practicing and practicing. And when it really changed for me was when I got a teleprompter. You know, I got a teleprompter mm. on the camera, which is like, if anyone knows, it's like a mirror that you can put an iPad with the text. And then I have an, a software that reads the teleprompter text and it automatically tracks to my voice, you know. So then that's how it worked. Like it, it, it kind of helped me. I don't use the teleprompter as much these days, but there was a phase on my channel where the teleprompter really made me have a lot of a big flow and it started giving me more relaxation. Now, these days, I don't really need the teleprompter all the time. Maybe if I'm doing a review or if I'm doing a more complex video, then I will put a teleprompter. But these days I'm I'm doing it more on the fly. But I'm so glad you're saying these things because this is what people don't talk about on YouTube. YouTube is stressful. It's really stressful and YouTube doesn't help at all. You know, every week I get these messages from YouTube saying, your channel is not doing as good as it used to. Maybe try something new. And they, they constantly bring you down. They're constantly, constantly bringing you down. You put a video up and the video has maybe half of the views that it had before. For some reason, maybe it's a different topic. Maybe it's a more niche topic. And they just send you that message right away. Your video is not doing as good. Maybe try to do different sound or try to watch other people's videos to see how they do it. And I'm always thinking to myself, no, I don't want to watch other people's video. I want to do my video. I don't want to like, I don't want to have an, a, an homogenous YouTube channel 
that is looking exactly like everyone's video. I want to do my own thing. I want to have my own voice. So I really, really hate that they do that. And I can't even, I don't even, uh, you know, <clears throat> I've talked with a few people about this, but I don't even imagine the amount of anxiety that getting those messages from YouTube saying that your channel is not performing as well as it should. I don't even imagine some people must give up. You know, they look at that message and thinking, man, I'm not going to do this anymore. Even they say I'm, I suck. And you don't suck. That's the thing. Like YouTube algorithm is built for millions of views. It's built for people that are doing, you know, topics that are watched by millions. It has to be generic and general topics. We are very niche, you know, anything related to composting. Just look at, I'll give you, I always think about this example. My channel has, you know, very, very lucky. I have 40, uh, 37,000 subscribers. And I'm always thinking to myself, oh, that's so little. But then I think to myself, is it really that little? Then I go and watch, for example, the Foundry's website. Foundry's YouTube channel has 75. And then I kind of puts me into perspective. I think like, well, oh, okay. So the Foundry only has twice as much as me. So that means... They also don't have a lot of people. They don't even have 100,000 subscribers. That only gives me the idea that there's actually so few new artists in the world that probably you can't have that many subscribers. Then it puts it into perspective. It puts it into perspective that maybe you're actually doing well. It's just that YouTube is just catered for millions of views. So for anyone listening, you know, if you're starting with a YouTube channel and struggling and having 400 views or... 300 views or, you know, 500 subscribers, don't, don't give up, you know, don't give up because eventually if you have a core audience, if you have people that like you, I always think to myself, if you have a thousand people that like what you do, you're going to be fine because then you can put a Patreon up, you can get some money from there. Maybe you can get an interest from a, a sponsor. Maybe a sponsor can give you some money. That's what happened to me. You know, my YouTube channel gives nothing, you know, zero bucks almost like it's so, so little money from the YouTube channel that I can't even, I don't even think about it. What gives me money is the Patreon. What gives me money is my Nuke course. What gives me money is my sponsors. And also the sponsors, there's a lot of other, a lot of companies out there that would be really good, good fit for these kind of niche things that we're talking about, you know, because they also have small audiences. So always have that in your mind. If you can find a thousand people that are, you know, that like your content and they are willing to support it either as a member on YouTube or as a Patreon, then you probably have something going and probably it will work. So ignore the messages from YouTube and ignore looking at other channels, ignore the channels with more because they are doing something else. They're doing different things. It's not, you can't compare yourself to channels like that. You know, it, it's not the same. You can't look at like Angry Joe show that does commentary on games and he has 3 million views. Of course he has 3 million views. He's talking about games and he's, he's been there for 20 years almost and he's angry all the time and those things sell. You know, it's a different, a completely different world. And just be yourself. I think that's really what I want to tell everyone, you know.
Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I see people don't really uh, recognize that is the journey. It is it is much harder than you think it is. It's not like like everyone's like, I will start a new YouTube channel, which is very obvious. You know, it's not like something like uh, <laughs> not something that you cannot package. But then then people don't understand how long it actually took for you and for me and everyone else is like to actually focus on something or at least kind of find your way of motivation, find your style a little bit, find your audience. All this all this stuff is basically kind of hidden, but like actually this is the most painful part of, of everything, you know? Like the moment you make it, you don't care about it anymore because there was so much path in that way that it was actually something where you're like, of course, you know, like anything else would be strange, basically. Um, and so you were you were mentioning the the basic the the 1000 true fans, there is this this amazing article about that. And I feel like this is something I, I also started um, to get pressure out of me is kind of like, first one is like your YouTube channel, it's not your company or something, you know, you don't have to create YouTube videos to be productive or something in itself yeah. you know it doesn't matter what you youtube maybe it's a tutorial maybe it's a podcast maybe it's it's you talking about life situation games whatever it is not there to appeal to someone that's not the idea at least it shouldn't be because as long as you don't want youtube as your pure career i feel that's a, that's an important thing because a lot of times and i feel everyone falls in that trap is kind of like you start with a good intention and the longer you go, the more you start to compare yourself and to adjust yourself to this direction. You know, like one of the things, I, the, the reason I started my YouTube channel was actually my scripting for artist series. I actually broke down 3ds Max, Maya, Nuke. And then basically I wanted to have like 10, 20 minutes video where I ex explain for an absolute beginner how to use Python in Nuke, how to use Python in Maya. And when I was finished with that, I actually had nothing to say to that. I was like, this is what I wanted. I don't want to create a, a part two or three or five or seven of that and then continue talking about one command uh, for 10 minutes each week, you know, basically the, the the thing or 10 tips how to use. That's In a way, it, it becomes kind of this pushing force where you feel like, okay, I have to do that now because that is what expected from me. And that's, I feel like, where, where a lot of times uh, like people like us uh, like do the break and say like, you know what? I, I I tried. It doesn't really work with me. It doesn't it doesn't motivate me, and that's why I was I was wondering. Um, I always feel stressed because like you just mentioned that you were doing this project and you're already thinking about the next YouTube video for that. Sometimes I feel because it takes so long till you actually do the video, it stresses me out. You know, oh, it, yeah, kinda, yeah. you have it all time oh, in your mind, and you try to find a better angle and to yeah. prepare it, and then you're like three months in your head and you 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 postpone it all the time you know like a dentist appointment basically and yeah. then when you actually do it you feel so burned out that you're like like I, just let me finish it <laughs> now alex i'm glad you said that i was I, it's funny that you said that because i was gonna mention that um that uh I have so many videos that I've never finished, so many. You don't even imagine the amount of times that I had a plan to do a video and I even wrote the script, I even filmed the video and then I never finish it. I have dozens and dozens and dozens of projects like that because that that's the problem. These things take ages to do. It's really difficult to write the script. It's really difficult to edit. It's really difficult to know when to put it out. A lot of times, some of my videos are too late. I can't even do them anymore. I'll give an example. Like, like last year, I bought like 
um, you know, the new Mac Pro, the new Mac Pro 2019. And I was, I was, uh, for some dumb luck, you know, I bought it very, rec- very, very early on. So when I got it, when I got the new machine, there was no video on YouTube about the machine. I think I was one of the first person people that got it on Britain. It was like the 20th of December. This was like really maybe 10 days after they they put it for sale. And I thought, man, I'm going to do a video about this machine. I'm going to do a review about this machine. And I filmed tons of footage, filmed tons of things. You know, I filmed all sorts of things. I even filmed myself right talking about it. I have a script, you know, and it all and started editing and editing and editing it. And then started YouTube started popping in all the videos of all the reviews, you know, and then you started seeing other reviews from other people. And then like, you know, a million views, a million views, like all these people making the reviews. And then, you know. I had some problems in my life. There was some personal problems. Then I kind of had to pause my work and then came back to the review again. And then I had another personal problem. Then I had some personal problems with my dog. She was sick and 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 it just dragged and dragged and dragged and dragged and and life just happened. And that video is still not out, you know. And that that video is now. I've been filming that video for a year and a half. It's pointless. It's not. It's not even relevant anymore. Most likely, it will never come out. And just like that video. I have like 20 videos like that, you know, of videos of that I started, like of a specific technique or a specific compositing thing that I want to talk about or talking about photography or I have so many of those videos. And it's it's difficult because, you know, it's really hard to spend so much time on something without getting any money, you know, of course, you know, because this becomes a personal project almost because, you know, you're not going to get anything from it besides the views and the likes, nothing else. So I completely relate to you, Alex. Like it's 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 so difficult that I have more in uh, unfinished films than I have finished, you know. And I only have like forty videos on my YouTube channel. I I'm sure if I go to my server, I'll see that I probably have a hundred videos incomplete, you know. And that happens all the time with me. And people complain, you know, they bitch like they message me saying, "Oh, you said you were gonna do the review of this. You said you were gonna do the video of that." And I just answer to them, well, you know, life happened. And then they answer back saying, but uh, you should do it. You know, you promised. I'm like, well, I didn't promise and you're not paying me. So no, sorry. It's going <laughs> to happen when it's going to happen. You get a lot of that. I get a lot of abuse on YouTube. Uh, I get a lot of abuse on, on social media privately as well. I get like private, really nasty messages from a lot of people. And that just comes with the ter- territory. Um, I do get a lot of abuse on Reddit as well. A lot of... Um, a lot of things like that, but you know, that's, that's just, I guess from the outside, people just think, oh, he's lazy. He doesn't finish anything he's going to do. And I always think to myself, yeah, I know I'm lazy, but have you tried to do it? Have you done it? Because you haven't, have you? So until you go and try to do it, you then tell me how easy it is to go and do videos every week. You go and tell me how easy it is to write scripts and to talk to a camera and to film all this bullshit and to actually do these videos and make them work. You go and try to promote videos every week and you put a post and you have two likes. You know, like it is always, always against you. The algorithm is against you. The Twitter is against you. Reddit is against you. Everyone is against you. It's just hard. And at some point, the only thing left for me is to just do whatever I want. That's what I've reached my conclusion. I'll put the video when it's out. If I think it's interesting, I'll put it out. I don't take requests anymore. I used to. I don't really take requests anymore. My channel is now 
a mental flow of my stuff, of what I like, of what I do, of what I want to talk about. And a lot of it is never going to be finished. And unfortunately, I'm sorry, I'm just not good enough to to do all those videos and to have all that stuff ready. I see a lot of YouTubers that manage to do it. I have no idea, Alex, how they've managed. I have no idea. When I watch certain YouTubers that have one video per week and they're like always pumping and pumping and I, I look at them and they have a million subscribers and I'm like thinking, do you sleep? Do you have a life? What are you? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I have no idea. Or maybe they're so, so good, so much better that they've managed to do it or maybe they have 20 videos up front already made and they're still dropping them i i've never really understood that that output that level of output i i will never be able to match that it's just not gonna happen you know i'm i guess i'm not good enough and i'm maybe lazy i don't know i it's very difficult to do that. Life happens, you know, it's difficult. But that's the feeling. It's, it's funny that you talk about that because I absolutely, uh, I can so relate to your situation because the thing is, uh, the lazy feeling, it comes with the territory. Yeah. Because because you don't finish as much as you want and it, it feels so easy, you know, like it's a seven minute, 10 minute video for sometimes, YouTube, typical YouTube video. It feels like, I will do it instantly. I, I was just working on my channel video for this thing for, for this channel, I was working on that for two weeks. <laughs> it's a two minute video. <laughs> I also use a teleprompter. I used uh, basically, but it took me forever because it's a two minute video. It basically has to be like, like a commercial, basically, you know, it has to be yeah. snappy. Everything has to be yeah. good. I have to perform well, you know, it have to be excited and all this stuff. And for example, one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is actually because I love it. I stopped it. Uh, and and I was like, uh, okay, it's too much work, everything. But then I was like, you know, if I can bring one thing back from my YouTube channel, it's the podcast because I I love to make it, I love to edit it, even if I watch the whole like one to two hours seven times, I love all seven times. And if I don't love something in this in the seven times, I I cut it. Yeah. Because yeah. it means like I'm I, I'm getting bored. But normally I don't cut anything, and I'm like I watched seven times just to finish it up. And I'm still loving it. And so for me, this is cool. And and I feel like for me, the podcast has exactly the, the right amount of work to benefit. And I don't really care as much about the publishing as I'm, I'm caring about actually the whole vibe, you know, the whole discussion, you know, I'm asking questions that I'm interested in. I'm not asking questions that someone else or I think people want to know. I'm asking questions of yeah. like, uh, I want to learn about that. And sometimes I'm asking questions about if I would be younger, if I would start... I want to people uh, understand that this is, is like basically we are talking about YouTube and sharing a little bit of the reality of that. So I absolutely, absolutely relate to that. And I think that's the, the travesty of YouTube or basically everything like Instagram, every Twitter. It is. Yeah, it is. is. And, and it's, it's always the it's, feeling of laziness. And and why do I'm doing that every five minutes? That's the thing, isn't it, Alex? That's why we're having a candid conversation. We're having an honest conversation about this because we are open about it. I'm so open now and you're being so open as well. We're, I, I feel like this is not discussed enough, you know. It, the same goes for any tutorial I make, even my online course, you know. I always have these plans and then I never fulfill them. And it's not because I, I don't want to fulfill them. It's just because I can't do them sometimes. I'll give an example, like, you know, three years ago, almost three years ago, I started my Nuke course uh, on Kickstarter and the plan was to make 
a course with like 50 hours. That was the plan, you know, like to, sorry, 50 classes, 50 classes. So maybe 25 hours or something like that. That was the plan. That's what I set out to do. And it started really well. I thought, you know, this is going to be a breeze. I'm going to do it. But then, you know, life happened. You know, like I had a lot of family problems. I had a lot of uh, 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 problems, personal problems. I got delayed. And then my other teacher got delayed. He also had personal problems. And then I got delayed and I he got delayed. And we stumbled and stumbled. And then we came back again. And then we stumbled. And we came back again and stumbled. And we came back again and stumbled. And I always try to do what I'm set out to do, but then I, I tried and then, but then I tried too hard. So what was supposed to be 25 hours of 50 classes is now 150 hour <laughs> classes, oh you God. know? So my course is now 150 classes. It's 75 hours long so far. And it's still not finished, Alex. It's still oh not God. finished because I'm spending way too much time on certain topics and I'm making the videos too complex and the videos are too deep. Anyone has made my course, any any of my teach any of my students will tell you that the course works for them and the course is very detailed, probably too detailed. And I feel like, unfortunately, the reason is because I keep putting the goal point higher and higher, and then I never really reach it. And that's why then you go to Reddit and you you get like people complaining, oh, Yugo hasn't finished this course yet. No, I haven't, because it's now four times bigger than it was was supposed to be. But I still haven't given up. It's been almost three years and I'm still doing it and still doing it and adding more classes and adding more classes. We started with Nuke 10.5 and now we're Nuke 12. It's an evolving course. And I, I apologize to anyone that bought the course. I apologize to anyone that is upset that I haven't fully finished the thing. But I can't do it any other way. I, I somehow... I'm trying my best, but then life happens and then personal problems get in the way, family problems get in the way. And I, it's just became a beast of itself. And it's almost finished. It is, to be honest. I'm almost done with the course. By the time it's done, it's going to be 200 classes. Um, and it's going to be like 85 hours or something like that. And record it, will kind be, of <laughs> it will be like literally the biggest online nuke course ever made. It's already the biggest online course course ever made for sure. Mm -hmm. I've already checked. Uh, it's also the most detailed and the most like, yeah, it covers everything in nuke. Uh, the only thing I haven't covered yet is just the final topics, you know, the, the more advanced, advanced part of the course, which I'm still recording. Uh, I'm very proud of this project I've done. Unfortunately, uh, you know, it's not public. I can't make it free on YouTube. I wish I could. You know, I always think to myself, if I was rich right now, if I won the lottery tomorrow, I would just publish it on YouTube and that's it. But unfortunately, I can't do that. It's three years of my life. It took me three years to do it. And and I, I just can't put it for free on YouTube. I've been lowering the price as much as I can, but but it has to also give some kind of profit for the hours that I've made. Otherwise, it's going to be not worth the 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 project you know but you know it's 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 difficult to finish things alex that's the thing that's the that's the reality i don't think i've ever talked about this on you on 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 any podcast really the difficulties that people have with personal problems with with life issues that happen all sorts of things that happen and i still don't really understand again i know i'm repeating myself but i don't understand how some of these people on YouTube can do the output they do. They must be cyborgs. I Or maybe they have a team. I don't know. I have no idea how that works, you know? Yeah, a lot of times I, I was looking into that because I was super interested. My, my One of my favorite um, 
YouTuber of all time is Matt Diavella. I'm not sure if you're familiar. He is like oh, famous yeah, yeah, for minimalism. And he brought um, YouTube Master. It's a recent course. And I was like, okay, you know what? Uh, he inspired me. Actually, he inspired me for this podcast because his ground up show was actually the template for this, uh, the 21 artist show. So it was actually something. So I was like, you know what? I, I, I'm so thankful for his style and inspiration. I bought, I bought this course and I was not expecting much. And, but I still found a lot of inspiration from that and learned a lot of, for, for example, one of the things I learned is the reason why he's successful is, is, uh, not consistency specifically, but he treated each video with quality. You know, he yeah. put so much work, you know, he just recording one day for seven minutes. I was like, oh, this sounds like horrible for me, you know, but actually when I was looking back, that was the reason why my video quality, uh, like plummet because I was actually trying to find a template to just like pump out videos basically yeah, you know just yeah. record it talk about it throw a little bit b-roll and then throw it out and then uh, but i mean i mean you lose all the fun you lose all the motivation and and your quality was it's basically expectation what happens is like okay he will talk into the camera he will throw some some b-roll and then the video is finished it's like that sounds boring as fuck <laughs> yeah why do you do it? Like, what, what what is the the purpose of your YouTube channel? Like, what was first? What what was the idea? And and like, how does it work with your? I know I don't know independence. How does it work with your courses? How like what is the benefit of this thing? Basically, <laughs> I don't know. Why do I do it? I should shut it down today. <laughs> like, I should really shut it down today and kill. I I fought about that many times, Alex. Many times I fought. I'm gonna hit that button. The called called delete channel. Because I can't stand this anymore. No, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> but sometimes I do. Sometimes I do think like, oh, this is so, so much work. Why am I still doing it? And and sometimes I do think like that, uh, of course. But it started a bit, it started like in a simple thing, you know, like I, I thought, you know, oh, there's not a lot of YouTube channels out there doing complex compositing. So yeah, I'm going to do a few videos about it. Uh, because I couldn't really find a lot of production level stuff. Um, and I always thought, you know, I always feel a bit responsible when I'm senior because when I was young, I couldn't find anything. You know, there was no YouTube. There was really just books and DVDs. And I I felt like it was very expensive. So I felt like, you know, somehow I felt responsible. I've managed to succeed in my career. I managed to reach a high level of work and professionalism. And I felt, well, you know, it's probably my responsibility to try to help people that are trying to grow as well and try to learn. And that's how it started, Alex. You know, I wanted to try to help and try to do what I didn't get when I was young. You know, that was the noble thing of it. But I failed a bit because I met, I, <clears throat> I always feel bad. I wish I would do more. I wish I would do more videos. Whenever I have one, <clears throat> it's so funny, isn't it? Because you get all the nice comments, you get all the likes, but then there is one bad comment and that's the only one that yeah. sticks. The, the bad comment is always the same. Oh, you don't do enough videos or you, this video sucks or you should do another video about this or that. Or, and I feel bad every day. I'm feeling like, oh, I wish I did more and I wish I could like transfer my mind into YouTube and just like explain everything that is in my mind. Because sometimes I wake up, I have an idea for a video and I'm thinking, man, this video is going to be amazing. And then I think to myself, but it's going to take a month to do, and I'm not going to do it. it it's really, really... <laughs> because your really, life is on hold no? during that time. Exactly. That's the thing. When I'm really, really going for on a video, like a big review or a big tutorial or even one of my videos on my course, 
everything stops, man. I, I don't have time to go anywhere. I don't have time to, I'm working late. I'm working late nights. It's like, a, it's, it's a struggle, you know, and, and, and sometimes you can't pause your life. It's, it's, it's funny. I don't really know anymore why I'm doing it. Not anymore. I think I love to do videos on YouTube. I do. I enjoy them. Not entirely sure if I have a motive anymore because I am not really doing very, a lot of tutorials anymore because I do often some tutorials when I'm on doing streams on Twitch, but that's a different thing. You know, that's a, the Twitch streams and the live streams I do. Those of course are workshops and those are pure tutorials, but I'm thinking of bringing my channel to a different audience now as well. I'm, I'm plan I'm, I'm now that I'm older, now that I've experienced so many things. And now that there are so many YouTube channels doing the same that I used to do, I kind of feel I don't want to repeat anything. You know, I think there's a lot better nuke artists out there now to do these videos. And I feel to myself, I'm not going to waste my time doing the same as they did. I might as well just retweet or point to their videos and say, go and watch this. I do that to my students all the time. You guys should watch this video and that video and that video and this video. And, uh, you know, I just think, you know, maybe I should talk about other things. I want to talk about the state of the industry. I want to talk about, you know, mental health in the industry. I want to talk about the creative process. That's why I, I did the panels with Cave Academy. That's why I'm doing the, the podcast with Ian from Before and Afters, we, Ian Fails. We talk about the topics that really interest me. Just to this morning, uh, I launched episode three of my podcast. And the main, main topic is why so many behind the scenes in making offs pretend that there were no visual effects on films you know like why do they make this cg as bad and there's no cg we did it all for real when it's all bullshit they of course used cg and used compositing it's just that they're trying to pretend that the actor did all the stunts so that was a main topic i we talked a lot about that and i love talking about that so these days i'm more interested on in talking about these core topics these kind of like industry specific issues that really, to be honest, I don't see a lot of people talking about it, especially the mental health, especially the struggles, the dark side of visual effects. I, that's something I've been preparing to do for a while, you know, a series of videos called The Dark Side of Visual Effects. And I, I feel like that's where now I'm inspired to do, to do something different, to try to show people that the industry has some issues that we could probably, if we stick together, can solve, you know. So... To answer your question, why am I doing it? It's still the same thing. I want to build a better industry and I want people to be better. And I, I want the industry to also be better to their employees and to have better working conditions and to have better uh, work balance with life. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that because those things are close to my heart. You know, I have a lot of problems these days because of this industry. You know, I have optical nerve damage, I have the elimination of the brain, I have like all sorts of issues, I have like, um, uh, you know, a sciatica back problem, I have a sciatica leg problem, I have concentrations issues, I have like numbness on the limbs because of being on the computer for long, long. After now 22 years of a career in front of a computer, I'm now suffering all these problems, both mentally, mentally, physically, and these are the things that I'm now want to kind of talk about and and also like talk about the behind the scenes of the industry as well because I don't want people to be on the same place as me you know I I I feel like like we are a very unhealthy industry that's why I'm doing these videos Alex now and people people don't like them you know it, it what it, 
would you believe me if, if I would tell you that the day that I published the mental health video, which is a video I did with Cave Academy about talking about the mental health status of this industry, and uh, that on that video, the day I published it, not only it was one of the worst performing videos I've ever had on my channel, and I don't mind that, it's fine, but I actively had 50 people that unsubscribed my channel on that day when I published that video, you know. And that tells me something. That tells me that there is a problem. <laughs> that tells me that people don't want to talk about these things. They just want to talk about the fancy behind the scenes and the breakdowns. And they don't really want to spend too much time talking about the bad side of it. Not that I only want to talk about the bad side. I want to talk about the good stuff as well. Still love this industry. But I feel that we... we It's our responsibility, the older generation that is now on this industry, because I'm not young anymore, it's my responsibility to also kind of warn people and also to talk honestly about what's happening. You know, without all the fancy bullshit of the behind the scenes and all the beautiful things that come out on, on breakdowns, there's also a lot of stuff that should be fixed and a lot of stuff that should be better, you know? So I think that's where I'm driving my channel now. And I might lose a bunch of subscribers. That's okay. If they leave because of that, that's better that they go anyway. It's okay. But I, I feel like like these are the things that are now concerning me. So that's what I'm going to be talking. And I'm still going to have the occasional tutorial, the occasional workshop, and I'm still going to have the occasional review because I really enjoy doing them. And I will definitely have live streams because I do love to do live streams. But I want to have call-ins, you know, like a radio show. I've been doing that lately on Twitch where I'm live on Twitch and I'm reviewing someone's showreel and they call in. And I kind of force them to call in so I can talk to them, you know. And I'm, I'm going to do more of that calling in like an old school radio show. I like to hear people's opinions and people's life stories regarding that. Definitely going to do more of that. Um, and, and I know that someone is listening to me now. I know that I haven't been on Twitch for a month, but that's just because I had a very big personal problem lately. You know, my dog died after 16 years and it's been very difficult for me to come back to work. You know, Alex, it's difficult to smile into a camera when things are not smiling around you. It's not easy, you know, and things are not smiling on the household here. It's not a smiling uh, time in my house right now. So it's not easy for me to go in Twitter. I'm very transparent. You know, I can't go to Twitter, pretend that everything is fine and like, woohoo, yeah, hello, love you guys. I can't do that right now because I'm not on that mood. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm on a very dark mood right now. So so, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm babbling and talking and you know, I'm sorry about that. But I mean, I can I can relate so much. You, I think you probably don't even even imagine it. Like so everything you just said, I felt like like you 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 talk out of my heart because exactly how I felt. It is exactly the situation is like I don't want to pretend. I, I don't I don't like it. Uh, if I'm if I'm excited, I'm excited, and you can yeah. see it. And I want my but I want my videos to be entertaining. And educational in depends on which video depends on what what but but what doesn't work is if i'm like pure myself like 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 i mean i mean like if i would do a video and i'm just like uh hey well let's do let's do a video like you know like <laughs> like completely like like neutral myself kind of you know um it will not work the video will be boring it doesn't matter what i say it doesn't matter what there is no energy so yeah. I, I have to either be excited or like pumped you know like yeah. even negatively pumped but like pumped it's like like you know this is this is bullshit <laughs> but because you can feel the energy and the energy is important you don't want to watch a, a, a video where the energy is down and it doesn't mean it has to be happy but it has to be up 
And I think that's something which is super hard if you if you handle uh, like, you know, kind of a depression situation or if you handle uh, unmotivation, no creativity, you are maybe too much into other work. So you have like basically no brain power to to like find the, the cool angle. And especially if you're doing a recording, press record, press seven other buttons and then you're like, hi, welcome to my channel. <laughs> I'm like and it's like. Whew. And then you do it seven times. And maybe if you don't have a teleprompter, as I did in the beginning, I was like, I was sweating and I was, uh, I was dying with each sentence basically. And then I, I, I was thinking like, I still have to edit this thing <laughs> and I still have to do a thumbnail. Don't, don't, don't underestimate the thumbnail and stuff like that. So, so I absolutely can, can relate to all this thing. And to, by the way, since you mentioned it, the mental health video was actually the main reason I, I was uh, thinking about uh, inviting you here to the, as an episode. I'm glad it worked for that then. <laughs> it was actually the video that that for me brought you back on my radar because the thing is like, for like uh, I mean, I, I want to have guests here that I can also kind of like... Um, skill-wise and technically connect to you know you're a nuke compositor i'm not so much into nuke i know all the basic stuff i can do a pipeline in nuke but if we would talk about compositing i will get you can get me lost probably after a while you know so i was kind <laughs> of like uh, i was but but this specific topic where like you know what i love if people are open about things i love to talk about uh, i mean we can talk about technical things but i need to find an angle for myself so i can contribute also to that so it's not a, just an interview or something like that yeah. and i watched this video i was like this is something i i can absolutely relate to i feel like there is not enough talk about that i i feel like this is something people try to avoid um in a way and and one of the things that i liked about that and that's why i called you rebellious in the beginning um is uh, is this thing about finding an angle to talk about the bad things you know there's a lot of things i would like to talk but i cannot find an angle about it you know there's yeah. there's projects i did recently they're horrible they were absolutely insanely horrible like burnout horrible you know like and and but but there is no angle to talk about that because if you start to talk about that it's like okay you either sound bitter um or or you sound dismissive or something in this in this park and then the question is about what does it happen with your career because let's imagine you're applying for a job and by accident one of this interviewer or your future jobs like watching it and 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 his and creates an impression of oh he's just negative or he's yeah, always yeah. Like, this is this is the only thing so if we hire him like we will have basically a problem on our hands. And so I, I, I still I still try to find an angle talking about like specific things that I actually don't like and I experienced or I want to investigate in a way, you know, in a discussion or something um, without uh, just making it, you know, I hate everything and uh, everything is bad. So that's why I feel like it's always hard because at the end of the day, you you have this career on the line thing a little bit. You know, this feeling of, of like, if I say that, what does it mean? I mean, that's one of the reasons I try. Um, I I mean, I'm not sure to do live at the moment, to be honest. Yeah, because, yeah. because I want to make sure that my guests feel safe. Like, you yeah, know, if I talk yeah. to someone and I ask a question and sometimes you start to answer, but then you you, you get the feeling is like, like maybe someone can interpret it in a completely different direction and then I'm, I'm looking super bad. I'm like, I don't want that. I want that you can talk whatever you want. And if you feel this is this is not a good answer or makes a bad angle on what you wanted to say, I will cut it out because that's not the idea of this thing. The idea is 
you talk and you feel free and you feel like I expressed how I wanted to express it. And, and I think that's a super hard. And I think that's one of the reasons why, why this kind of thing uh, on one side are not talked about, but on the other side are dismissed because people don't want to see that because they want that the industry is so fantastic and, yeah. and this, all the sacrifice yeah. has a meaning. Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know. And, and, and I don't want to be dismissive either. I, I think, I think the, the health panel is not that negative. I, I actually think. Um, no, it I, I felt. I felt. I felt it was. I tried to be as positive as I could, but I know exactly what you mean, Alex. First of all, thank you so much for saying the kind words about that panel. I'm glad that you liked it. I it was a very important video for me. It took me a year to get a health panel up and running. It was very difficult. Uh, I managed to get a an amazing partner on Cave Academy to do it. Uh, he was really, you know, uh, Jay was really up for it, which was amazing. And he invited me right away when I said I was interested on this. But I, I'll, I'll tell you a secret, Alex. It took me almost a year of knocking on doors on companies and you know, on sponsors to try, try to get this thing up and running. People, everyone said no to me. Everyone said, no, we don't want to talk about that. No, no, we can't talk about that. No, no. People are going to complain about a specific company. People are going to complain about this. We can't do those things. And I said, well, that's the point. We need to talk about this. And so... I was almost giving up to a point that I was going to just do it myself, you know, and then it was so cool to find Jay on Cave Academy he was planning to do this talk. It was like the minds combined, you know, I was planning to do it. He was planning to do it. And then we kind of like join our efforts. But everyone else turned me down, you know, sponsors, companies, other visual effects houses that were not in. And also people turned me down saying, no, I can't do it. Otherwise, I'm going to lose my job. And so it was very, very difficult. Um, and I, and I, I understand that point of view. I, I, I can tell you for a fact, Alex, that I have lost jobs because of my YouTube channel, uh, because of certain things that I've said and certain things that I've shown. I've, I've gotten emails from people. We were thinking of using you, but you know, we know that you're going to say this and that on YouTube, so we can't really do it. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm living with that now because also on the other hand, I've also got jobs because of my YouTube channel. You know, I've also got contacted from people saying, you know, just the other day I was on set uh, for an Adobe commercial and the company that hired me, you know, um, the company that hired me, they contact, I can't really talk about who it is and, and what the job is, but uh, not yet because it's NDA, but the company specifically told me, we contacted you because we love your YouTube channel. So we want you to be on set for this. So it happens the other way around as well. And I guess that's the thing with the fans and people that like my work on loan, like my work, but but it's it is tricky to talk about these topics because there is always that fear that you might get fired or you might uh, get misinterpreted, and it is it's a shame, you know, that that has to be like that. I I feel like it's a bit sad that we can't talk more openly about these issues because after working for twenty something years, I have met. Hundreds and hundreds of people with mental issues, people with depression, people with anxiety. And these people are being bullied every day on the companies. They get bullied. As much as the companies pretend that it's not happening, it is happening. Not only bullying from a nervous point of view, from a mental point of view, from a, an aggression, verbal point of view. But there's also physical abuse. There's like sexual abuse, there's rape, there's all sorts of drug-related problems. A lot of VFX companies have a lot of issues, and I've witnessed them. This is not the past. It's not like people pretending, 
oh yeah, that was what it used to happen on the 90s. No, it still fucking happens right now. It's just that people don't want to talk about it. And people do sometimes privately. They send me messages saying, oh, I love that panel that you did. You know, this happened X, Y, and Z on my life. And I had to leave the industry because of it. And I get dozens of messages like that of people saying, I left the industry because of this. I left the industry because of this. And it's so sad. It's so sad to think about that. These people are talented, you know, like it breaks my heart, you know, like even my voice is break. Like it breaks my heart, like to see artists that are, you know, they love the industry. They loved working here. And then they had to leave because they were bullied. Fuck, man. Fuck that. It's, it's bad. You know, they shouldn't have never left. They should have still been artists. And now they're doing something else because they couldn't stand being there. And I, I, Fuck the companies that did that to them, you know, like I wish that they would have supported them and helped them through this. And maybe I wish some other people would have supported them so that they could have gotten another job in another company, because there are companies that really help people. There are companies that care about the employees, but others that don't. So, you know, you asked me why I do this. This is why I do it, Alex. Like, I just feel that there's a lot of things that are not talked and I'm not even, let's not even talk about racism in the industry, which is also a huge issue as well. And I've seen it from firsthand, you know, and I've talked with people that suffer this as well. There's a lot of issues and there's always a lot of issues on everything. Of course, every industry has problems. But the fact of the matter is that we never talk about it. You go to YouTube and it's just these beautiful videos about how amazing Black Widow was. Like, it's just like, man. Yeah, this is, it was amazing. I just did a podcast about it. It is amazing, but I wish I also could talk openly about how much effort was it to do that specific project and how many people were broken and how many people were fired. Do we need to do something about it? Do we need to do something about equality on, on, on women? Do we need to do something in equality regarding to racism? Do we need to do something about mental health? Do we need to do something about the long hours we need to do something about um, aggressiveness from leadership and from leads and from aggressiveness on, you know, because it, it doesn't really work anymore to say, you know, on dailies, it's tough. You need to have a tough skin. No, you shouldn't have to have a tough skin. You shouldn't be a dick. That's more maybe what it should be, you know. So I think these things should be more discussed. And maybe it's because I'm old now. I'm the old guy complaining <laughs> on the corner. I'm like, oh, come on. I'm, I'm the old guy like, oh, this is shit. It was better. Blah, blah, blah. In it my time, it was much better. <laughs> but you see, Alex, that's the thing. It was never better. It's yes. never been better. So I think that the old thing, the old meme doesn't work anymore here. Yeah, I, I yeah. Sorry, man. I, I just get quite passionate and emotional about these kind of things. And and again, comes back to the thing. I wish I had more time and I wish I could have done more videos. and. I wish more people would say yes to certain videos that I would love to do, but they say no. And to a point, I'm getting so many no's now for interviews and for podcasts that I, I wish that I wanted to talk about these specific topics that I'm now starting to tell people, okay, why don't we do it? And I blur your face and I change the sound of your voice, just like a panorama documentary from BBC. Can I do that? And I'm now starting to get people saying yes. So I'm like, yes, I'm now going to talk about these things. Oh That's what God. I'm going to do. I'm 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 planning to do a series of videos that have people that are blurred and 
their voice is distorted so they can talk about these things openly. It sounds like like a spy whistleblower uh, <laughs> kind of documentary from Vice or something like that. Unfortunately, That's people crazy. are so afraid of getting fired and never working again that they sometimes they, you know, they have to do these things. So it's yeah, I I I think it's it is because I'm older now. I don't care really anymore, you know, if I don't get a job because of certain things that I've said. Maybe that job wasn't for me anyway for the, to begin with. You know, I think that's the level I'm now getting to. Because I'm not afraid of working, you know, Alex. Even if I wouldn't be able to get a job anywhere, I would just work on somewhere else. You know, there's a plenty of bars and coffee shops and supermarkets that need work. I can work anywhere. It's not a problem at all. I'm not ashamed of working on something else. In fact, I would be proud if I would be, if I had to do it. So it's, it's. It's a matter of trying to do what's right and trying to talk about things that are important for me. And right now it's important for me to talk about these like, like little nagging issues that basically were the reason why I kind of left the industry. I kind of did. I mean, I am working on it and I'm doing work with certain companies, but the level of output is very different. You know, Alex, I used to do like 10 projects a year. I'm now doing maybe one a year. I'm only working for a few companies and I'm only working a few times a year because I can't really like work with everyone and I can't really work that much anymore. My concentration is not what it used to. I I feel like burned out and I feel a bit broken. And I am I, I was burned out when I left the mill. I was basically burned out. I was. And that's kind of I was one of the reasons I left. Not that they it's not their fault that that happened. It's a systematic problem of the industry no one really pulled the strings for those things to happen it just happens because the industry is catered for burning out and then replacing someone to the person next you know that's how it works if you don't want to do it there's another one person that wants to do it, it it's it's a bit sad but no one is really doing it in purpose you know yeah, I mean, I can. I feel like I feel like I'm on both sides at the moment because everything you say, I could say myself in a way. So, like everything you say, I'm like I can totally relate to that. And it it became also a little bit my motivation. I remember like there was one situation. So I'm I never ex experienced a lot of the things that you mentioned. I never experienced racism or something like that. Like that's something. Uh, oh, not me. It wasn't it wasn't me that experienced it. I, yeah, yeah, but, I but have in terms friends of like, that experienced exactly, it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I I don't never heard about it like in my periphery for example so there's like things i never heard of but for example i remember there was one situation i had a supervisor it was horrible um and uh, i remember we had a producer uh, and she cried each meeting basically after each meeting you can so, saw her sobbing outside because he was pressuring so hard and and the thing is like you uh, like after like in in retrospect you know i know that he was under a lot of pressure himself so it was not that yeah. he's just an asshole and that's because like he was over the line for like no question about but um i remember i had to talk with him and he made me so feel bad about myself that i was like i i feel wrong like i feel like i'm doing everything i do is wrong yeah and i felt like so destroyed that um i remember when i went on the Christmas holidays, I needed to reflect on myself. And then I'm like, you know what? This is not how I play this game. And so I came back and I remember, I remember this day, like, like this meeting, um, I, I was like, I will not play this game. And, and, and there was this meeting where he, every, every day we had this morning meeting and he shit every day on someone. 
like every day someone's fault like da 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 so i remember there was a, a lighting guy who i was the td for the lighting department and he was basically working with me so we were doing like passes and whatever and then he was like literally saying like this is bad why didn't you talk with me la 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 and i didn't say anything after the meeting i said i want to talk to you and you have to imagine he's my supervisor like he is at least two roles above me you know and and i remember i was sit down with him and it's like i never ever want you to talk with one of my artists again like that yeah and he stopped and he kind of became sad and is like maybe i shouldn't join the meetings anymore it was not like anger what i was expecting you know like what the fuck you know it was literally he this was the moment where 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 you kind of lo lo saw the snapping part because someone actually snapped him in this moment and it was just a, a matter of time he would snap anyway you know and this was actually something and then he i was i'll say maybe you shouldn't and after that i remember because uh, two minutes months later i left because it was like uh, also the whole company um i remember i had a post mortem with him and I was like, I was preparing myself innerly, you know, like you're like, this will be not fun uh, discussion kind of. And I remember he sit down with me and it's like, you're the only person in the company who tells me the truth. <laughs> that is amazing. That's amazing. You see, that, that was so worth it. I'm so glad that you've done that. I'm so glad that you did that. To be honest, I couldn't care less about his his emotion in this yeah, moment. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. It was like, I don't care that I, that I'm the only person. You know, that this is literally, literally <laughs> should not even a compliment. The first you know? yeah, it's it not even a compliment. But time. I was so proud of myself in this moment, like basically in the moment before, because I was kind of like, I'm not someone who get bullied very easily. I'm not, not a person who get bullied very, very easily. So I'm I'm like normally on the, on the point of like, hey, this is not acceptable. Yeah. But I can imagine other people like that. And if I get to the point where I get feel like bullied or at least um, super uncomfortable, like literally not like, not like someone said something bad or something, you know, if someone said like, this is garbage what you did. Okay, like, you know, not the best way, but you can work it out with yourself. You know, it's like, don't, you don't have to be like triggered by every sentence and someone like, you know. But if there is like a systematic you should be better and this is garbage and whatever. And you literally feel that there's just pressure and you start to doubt so extremely yourself that you feel uncomfortable, you know? Um, then I feel like it's like, okay, you have to find yourself. And I think for me, it's always, I, I, that's the mo proudest moment when I can stand up. It's actually, the proudest moment is actually, I, I left companies and it was a lot of times I was actually after that, it is like leaving a bad relationship. It is like, yeah. you feel yeah. doubt. You, you know what is the right right way. You feel doubt, but anyway, until you actually do it. The moment you do it, you feel so refreshed and relaxed. And I know every time afterwards that it was a correct decision. Because every time after I, like everything is like finalized, you know, it's clear. Um, I always feel this, this, this moment of relief. And every time I feel this relief, I know exactly that this was the right decision. Because I know it also from relationships. If I end a relationship that I that I was like stressed, you know, this feeling where you feel stressed all the time, it's the same thing. That's why I also a little bit can relate to your um, canceling your YouTube channel kind of feeling because it is a relationship <laughs> in itself. You know, it is, it is this, yeah. this thing where you like make a new video, make a new video, you know, and like come on, calm down. I want to still have fun when I make video. No, make a new video. And it should be like the other one, you know? And so I can relate to everything. And it happened to me with this uh, podcast too. The moment I, I, I brought this podcast, I, in the first five minutes, I had dislikes. 
I never had dyslexia before. It was like the first time. <laughs> oh yeah. Because, yeah. because I had like, you know, scripting for artists. I show you a little bit Python. Get, get used so to it. Were, get used to yeah. it. Yeah. And then suddenly, suddenly like, like five minutes, it's a two hour podcast. How can you watch it? Five minutes, uh, like oh, five yeah. dislikes. I was like, how is that possible? It is. I publish a video every time I publish a video. Every single time I publish a video, in the next five seconds, I have two or three dislikes. That, that just happens on every video I publish. Yeah. Even this morning, I published my episode three of my podcast. I had one like, and then I had one dislike right away. The podcast is an hour and a half. And, and in five seconds, the guy put the dislike, or guy or girl put a dislike. So it's fine. It it's okay. I always I will always remember what Alan McCain told me on Alan McCain told me on the podcast when I was with him. He told me, "Don't be bad about the dislikes. That is their way of saying hello." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, I see. I see what you mind. That's They're just saying one. hello, saying here you go. I still fucking hate you. Here's the dislike." So he's he's he's. I I think you know I'm over it now. I'm happy with it. There's always gonna be dislikes. I have a lot of videos that I have a lot of dislikes and other videos that I have almost no dislikes. It 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 kind of goes up and down. Uh, you know, I, it's fine. I, I don't think it's it's a problem. <laughs> don't 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 think much about it. I think YouTube is catered like that. Think about it this way. It uh, a YouTube uh, algorithm works for uh, activity on your channel. So a like or a dislike is measured the same way. So the more like dislikes you have, the more the video grows on the algorithms and it doesn't matter if it's a like or a dislike it's counted as one activity that the channel had so you know don't worry <laughs> it's not going to do anything about a video <laughs> nevertheless guys if you if you like what what hugo's doing just just leave a like on his on his yes. video i think that and, that's here yeah, that's and, something and, appreciate everyone you know yes. everyone and, and if you if you hate my guts please leave a dislike as well <laughs> please do that as well at least do I, something Yes, exactly. Something. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our short mid-episode coffee break. If you love the content and would like to have a successful career in the film or games industry yourself, check out my website 21artistshow.com. There you can find helpful articles, masterclasses and coaching opportunities that help dozens of my students to bring their profession to the next level. That's all. Check out 21artistshow.com and share the podcast with cool people you know. Let's continue with the episode. We were talking about the details. So I'm, I'm curious because we, we had so many things, you know, we, we have your, your online course, we have your YouTube channel, we have your Patreon, we have your, your directing and compositing jobs. I'm pretty sure I forget at least seven other things here. So um, what are the things that, that I would you would say is like, really works for you you know where you feel like it is this perfect balance of of you get something out of it financially and you feel like super motivated in that because again like youtube feels like it is a love-hate relationship uh which i can totally understand and yeah. it, there is benefits but there's also negatives but what you would say is are the things that you feel like it brings you forward like professionally career-wise and it also has this kind of angle where you feel like this is mine and I can control it and I have this. Absolutely. YouTube is not really my financial uh, um, uh, work. That's for sure. It doesn't give me enough. Not even Patreon as well. I think lately I was very fortunate during the pandemic. I still had work and I still had jobs and, and I had also the online course. I think it's like a 50-50 right now. My online course brings some money. 
not a lot, but some money because I the course is also very expensive as well to make and to maintain in the servers and everything, and also the other teachers. But um, but I think it's a 50-50% now. Like my work gives me the bread and better, like like working on set as a supervisor, working as a compositor, and working as a director kind of pays my bills, really. And then the course is a bit of an extra. And then YouTube and Patreon is really just really small, really, to be considered income, really. Um, so I guess that's the plan I'm doing right now. I work once in a while on a job. I look for them and then I get them. Very fortunate that I sometimes get contacted. So uh, it's been like that for a few years now that as, as long as I have one or two trailers or one or two projects a year, it usually is enough income for me. And and that together with the course and together with the Patreon and the YouTube, it's kind of enough to pay the bills. Um, I'm I'm not wealthy at all. You know, I don't earn a lot of money, but I'm very I'm very economical as well with my stuff. And I don't spend a lot of money. That's for sure. I don't really do a lot of vacations. I don't have a car. I don't buy fancy clothes. I go to Primark. You know, my wife buys the clothes for me and I don't really spend a lot of money except on equipment. Equipment, I really have this kind of mentality that it's all or nothing. You know, I I buy the best stuff always because I know it's going to last me years. You know, every time I every time I buy a computer, it lasts me seven, eight years. It's been like that for decades now because I always try to buy the most uh, fastest thing I can find at that moment and with the most amount of memory, the most amount of graphic card, most amount of VRAM so that it can last years and I don't have to think about it anymore. Uh, so the same with cameras, the same with microphones. Same. So when I buy equipment, I buy it through my company and I buy it really advanced stuff, but everything else, I don't spend much money. So I think my dream, if you would have asked me that, Alex, what would you like this to be? I wish that at some point I can maybe direct once a year something that gives me some financial stability. And then I keep doing my YouTube channel and my podcasts. I, I think that's my dream to just do one job once in a while and to keep doing my YouTube and podcasts. I, I love doing those things. I feel at home on my Hugo's desk, on my on my office here, you know, and of course, playing my games and being with my wife. And I also have projects with her as well. You know, I'm doing a cooking YouTube channel with her. Um, you know, I, I, it's very small, of course, it's very few subscribers. It's just started. So, uh, we're, we're vegetarians and, and, uh, she's pretty much vegan. So it's a YouTube channel that only has recipes from her. She's an incredible cook. So Anna does this channel. I only film. I have no, I don't cook. I'm terrible at cooking. So she's does, does the cooking. I only film it and edit it <laughs> and eat, but yes, yeah, and eat, of course. So we're doing that as well. It's a channel called, uh, uh, you know, uh, Garlic Greens and Company on YouTube as well. We're planning to do a podcast about film, uh, about films, you know, like um, about uh, movies in general, because both me and Anna have, uh, I, I would say that we have a large, um, <laughs> we have a large knowledge of film. Uh, we've watched a lot of movies during our life. And so we want to do a podcast about that. Uh, we're planning to start in a few weeks. So that's my plan, Alex. Like I, I, I'll tell you one thing, like what I will not do is I will never, ever in my life again, if I can help it, ever work as staff in a company ever again. I, I don't think it fits me. Nothing against the companies. It doesn't fit me to be staff in a company. I've been fortunate to do other things now, and I will only do it if I really have to, you know, if I have no other uh, financial stability 
but I just don't feel, and also I don't think the company will get the best out of me. You know, I like my office. I like working from home. I've been working from home for six years. I know everyone is now working from home, but I have already been doing this for six years from home. You know, I like my own machine. I like my office. I like the way my lighting is. I like my monitors. I like my own calibrations. I don't enjoy going to a company, sitting on a chair randomly, having a random computer, not knowing, having bright lights inside an office, having the noise of other people. And also, to be honest, a lot of times when I worked staff and companies, I spend more times in meetings than actually working, especially because I was a supervisor. So I definitely spend more times on meetings. And so if I can avoid it, I will not be staff ever again. Um, it's not for me. It's for a lot of people, not really saying that you shouldn't or should. I'm just saying that it didn't didn't really work very well for me. <laughs> of course, you know, I've said that like I did work staff for like almost 15 years on different companies, but I don't think it works for me anymore. You know, I don't think in this state, on this phase of my life, I don't think I can do that. You've grown out of it, basically. I have. I don't have a work schedule, Alex, you know. I wake up and I do a few things. I do a few tweets and I edit a few videos and do a few tutorials for my students and then answer questions and then I go to bed. I don't really have a schedule. Some days I work 10 hours. Some days I work five. Some days I work 15. Some days I I work all night and work two days in a row. Some days I spend, sometimes I spend an entire week without doing shit. So I don't have a schedule anymore. Um, and I'm very proud of that because I am terrible with schedules. The, the thing that I most hated at the mill was that we had to be there at 930 and oh my god i hated that which is that was... not very early to be honest <laughs> no i know i know but i'm not i'm not an early person but you need to understand that being on central london at 9 30 you don't you you have oh, yeah. to wake up quite early so yeah you have to I, I used to used to wake up at 7 to be there at 9 30 you know so so it's not not for me and again i don't want to sound like a dick you know i know a lot of people have to work uh, very early and i know a lot of people have to go to offices and and if I have to, I will do it. I don't want to be this, like, I don't want to sound like I couldn't do it. Of course I could. I'm just like been fortunate. I'm so blessed that at least I've managed to kind of survive and have enough income to do whatever I want at the moment. It might not stay like this forever. Of course, things go up and down. I used to have more work than I have now. So it could be that I have to go back to the office and I have to go back to other companies. As it stands right now, I am fortunate and very blessed to have enough work to keep going, you know, so. That's not how I see it, that, that you are kind of like, uh, I don't know, in a way blessed or lucky because I always feel like this is like, this is a decision. This was a choice. This was a yeah. like work in progress. You know, it's not like you are, you're suddenly decided from one day to another, no, I'm no, doing no, whatever. No. And then, and then you were, you're just rolling with whatever comes and no, you're just I know. Like and it wasn't chilling easy. at home. Yeah, and no, so, no, yeah, no. Yeah. I don't want people to think that I'm being grateful that, that, you know, and, and I don't want people to think, Oh, look, look, listen to him. He doesn't want to work or he doesn't want to go to an office. It's nothing like that. I actually work a lot and I, I think if anything, I work more now than I used to work when I was at the mill. I work more hours and longer hours because everything is work. When you're having a YouTube channel or a stream or when you're working as a director or even a composer, 
when you're juggling so many different things, you just work. And that's really what I do. I work much, many, much more hours than I used to, for sure, you know, so. I think I would love to see at the end of the videos because at the end of the of the of the food videos, it's always like I also saw saw by the way the <laughs> YouTube videos of your wife. Um, <laughs> you you see how this amazing like steaming uh, like, like whatever you just created. What I miss is you sitting there for the next five <laughs> minutes and just eating, you know, like just like a camera. And then and then you can see like how much you enjoy it. And I think this is basically like, you know, cool food shots, that's fantastic. But you know what, what, what really will, would give me, get me over the edge is like seeing someone really, really digging it. <laughs> I think then I will like, okay, I want to try to just by watching this guy. You're going to get what you're asking, Alex, because uh, we're planning to start Twitch streams where Anna is going to be cooking live. And I'll be on the room because I'm filming while she's cooking for the live uh, stream. And so, yeah, we'll eat at the end for sure. So you're going to get what you, what you, what you ask for. <laughs> See, <laughs> we already have a in sync on that one. Um, <laughs> what I'm curious, just because you you kind of uh, broke it down, um, if I would put it into into a cake di diagram, how, how much percentage would you say are all these parts that, uh, that you do at the moment? I would say that probably, um, I would say it's like maybe a three cut thing. You know, I, I spend like maybe a third of my time working in production and directing and either on set or working in composting, maybe 33% of my time is that. And then the other 33% is to just like, you know, actually edit videos and film videos and, and actually make the videos, the streams and the tutorials on my channel and also on my course. Um, and then I guess the other 33% is a bit of a hit and miss. I think a third of my time is thinking and this like researching and reading and and you know looking at books and art books and working as uh, looking at specific films specific inspiration going to exhibitions and just spending some time trying to figure out what I'm going to talk next where I'm going to get in some inspiration a lot of times that's why I'm saying it's a third a lot of times that time is wasteful of course because sometimes it doesn't lead to anything the amount of times that I wrote in something down that I thought it was going to be a good video, but then I thought, ah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> or I buy something, oh, I'm going to review this, and I buy it, and then I'm, ah, I'm going to return it because I'm not going to review it. So there's a lot of waste time. I think further my time is just waste of experimenting things. But then when something clicks, it really actually transfers itself to the real work, and then it gets gets made. So I think it's like a... A, a, a tree split, I think. Uh, but sometimes it's 50. I think a lot of times when I'm really busy, I think it's 50% of my time at work and 50% on YouTube. And then I don't have any time for research or any other thing. The research part and the inspirational part and the the stuff of just thinking and, and kind of experimenting and sometimes failing, that is always the first one to go if I'm too busy, you know? So, but I try to have it because I feel failure is a, an incredible part of this journey and the creative process. So I do assume this and I have no problem on spending a third of my time on things that might not go anywhere. I have no problems with that. You know, I, I feel like that has always been in my entire life has been like that. Even when I was at art school, I would spend an enormous amount of time drawing things that I would dr trash or, or paint over, you know? So I think, Failure is part of the creative process, and I always want to keep time for it. 
And that's one of the things that I feel like companies don't really give you time for that. I think companies are so catered for profitability and so catered for shareholders that they forget that there is failure. Sometimes things don't work out. And sometimes you do have to go through that to get to the next phase. And, and so, you know, I, 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 I wish that, I know some companies do that, but I wish more companies would allow people to have free time, you know, time that they're just there, maybe checking YouTube channel, maybe checking a Twitch, maybe reading a book, maybe researching something. Because for me personally, all those things are connected, you know, all of them. Like, I'll give an example. Sunday, I went to the museum on the Tate Britain, and I went to see with Anna, one of now probably one of my favorite painters of all times. I love her work. I didn't know her work very well. I knew now with this exhibition. This is a, an exhibition, a retrospective exhibition from a painter called Paula Rego. She's a very famous Portuguese painter. She's internationally famed, uh, especially from her work on the 90s and the, in the year, year 2000s. She has a big ret retrospective exhibition in uh, the, the Tate Britain, which is open until October. So if anyone has the chance to go, they should go. And just that those four hours that we spend on the exhibition, and then we went home and I bought the catalog, and then I bought also a DVD with interviews, and we watched that as well. And the amount of things that I got from that exhibition, the inspiration, the, the drive to do something, and I'm... I have all these plans. I think I'm going to make a video about this and about that because I thought about it when I was watching that exhibition. That is those 33%. And it might not lead to anything, but I always think of myself of not really work or life. Everything is connected. You know, The exhibition is part of my life, but it's part of my work, but it's part of everything because it's going to give me inspiration to do other things. And, and so I felt it was part of my work, but also part of my personal life. So... And those are the little things that really drive me forward. Uh, and I might not do anything from that exhibition, probably not, but a lot of it will be on my unconscious and I will do other things and be more creative and be more inspired to do other stuff because I went to see that amazing exhibition, you know? So I think that's the split that I have, Alex. Yeah, and sometimes I feel like, uh, like if you watch something, like another YouTube channel or read a book or something you feel like someone allowing you to do something because for example watching your mental mental health for example panel is like oh i can actually talk about that you know i watch that so I, like you know what it's, it's weird it sounds like strange because like we all feel so free and we can do whatever we want we can create a youtube channel we can go wherever but a lot of times you feel like uh you uh, you follow specific rules yeah and until you see someone breaking those rules or making it in a way that you feel like uh, oh yeah, like I don't want to do a podcast, but I want to. Do, uh, I would do such a podcast. You know, I don't want the, the normal podcast, but I love this podcast. I love how they talk, so I want the same. So I would do my own podcast, which I wouldn't do if I would like uh, like saw the other one and try to copy them. And so I feel like sometimes you get this like allowance of like, oh, I can't do that because this guy or this girl did it, so uh, I sh I can I can allow it to. So if we put the time diagram next to the actual income diagram basically <laughs> the same same cake diagram what percentage are like patreon youtube uh your company uh wise here that is like a really different percentage obviously the work on directing and compositing and visual effects supervision on set is the 
like 90% of my income, of course. Oh, like, okay, I was expecting like 70 or something no, like that. No, no, because it's, you need to understand Patreon and YouTube pays so little. And even my online course doesn't really, my online course, as much as people complain that it's expensive, the amount of money that I spent to make it, the amount of money that I had to pay producers and pay other teachers and the amount of money to buy servers and to have, uh, our, like our, have like uh, encryption and, and uh, protection on the video so they don't get stolen or they don't put on get put on torrents because we haven't got a leak on the course yet. The, the course is not on torrents uh, because it's so well protected. The amount of money that drives to do to keep that up and running and also like three years of work, you know, because I get paid and my teachers get paid, my producer gets paid, their salaries to pay to do that course. So there's not a lot of money left from that. So I definitely think my production work is definitely my bread and butter. It will be for a while, you know, like Alex, it's, we need to understand, people always complain about how little money we get, but we need to understand that we actually get very well paid, you know, like artists in general, we do get well paid. If you compare it to the other rest of the population, we do get quite high salaries, we do get quite high income, and the money we get can be stretched to last for a long time, uh, you know, if you do the correct decisions and if you don't spend and don't be frivolous with your money, you know? So I think, I think that's how I deal with it. I do it bursts of work, you know, I do a big job and I get a lot of money from it and that, that money lasts me months and, and then I'll do another job when that money is kind of running down and then I can get another job and then it refills the bank again. So it's almost like refilling the, the bank, but I definitely think Maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe it's 990. Maybe it's 80%. I would say that it's at least, I would say it's like 20%. Like, I would say that it's probably 19% the course, 80% the visual effects work in production, and 1% is Patreon and YouTube because <laughs> they pay so little. I get so little money from it. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'll give you the perspective. Every month on YouTube, regardless what I do, regardless how many videos I put up, regardless how many videos and how long they are, I never break over 50 bucks a month. That's it. Get 50 bucks. Do you really think that's anything? And then Patreon, if I'm lucky, maybe I'm getting $300. If I'm lucky on that month, maybe it will get 200 the next month. So, okay, we're talking about $250, which is roughly a bit low, but roughly a day rate of a composter, you know? So I'm talking about like my Patreon, my YouTube channel pays for one day of my month, you know? What about the other 20 days? <laughs> you know, that's what I'm saying. People don't realize this. People think, oh, he's getting all this sweet YouTube money. No, there's no sweet YouTube money because you only get sweet YouTube money when you get like 300,000, 400,000, 500,000 views. And when you get to a million views, that's when you start getting thousands of, of pounds per video. You know, it's very, very little money at this level because then YouTube also because I don't I don't fill my videos with commercials and ad breaks. I only put a few. I don't like to put too many ads on them and because I don't like the experience of my videos to be to suck. You know, I don't want people to like constantly every five minutes to have a commercial on a YouTube video. So I only spread them out. I usually put them every half an hour, maybe sometimes every 45 minutes. So obviously I know I'm getting a hit on income, but I prefer for people to have a good experience on my channel than anything else. And sometimes my videos have a lot of commercials because I don't have any control because sometimes YouTube 
claims them with copyright strikes. You know, I'll give an example. When I did the disconstructions of the Homefront Revolution, I got copyright striked by the, the the games company that was publishing the video. And also by Ubisoft, I get copyright strike. I just recently got copyright strike from other projects I've done. So sometimes I get copyright strike by my own job, my own work. <laughs> and, and it's it's <laughs> oh my god it's difficult for you to get out of it it's very difficult for you to get out of it because you can't really prove exactly it was done then you go into loops with youtube at yeah. some point i give up i'm it's like really oh. horrible to, to have youtube handling this kind of thing it's like the worst yeah. experience yeah. so to answer your question and for the audience to know i think it's like one percent youtube patreon and then and then i get i get like most of my work my like almost 20% from the course and then 80% from production. I do get sometimes lucky. I am sometimes lucky enough to get a, a sponsor from BenQ. They've been beautiful. They've been really good to me. So BenQ sometimes sponsors my channel and gives me some support every year. Uh, Foundry does the same. Sometimes they sponsor some of my videos, Action VFX as well. So sometimes I can get a little extra income from certain things. But it's also not a lot, you know, like we're talking like not, not it's not a lot of money uh, that you get from that because these are small companies and also like small niche products, you know, it's very difficult to make to make a living from this, uh, even unless you have like a lot more views. And for me to chase those views and to ch I could probably do it like if I would have published my my nuke course on YouTube. I'm sure I would probably get 10,000 views each video, maybe 20,000 views each video. I'll probably would double my subscribers, but I would still only maybe get 500 bucks a month. I, I probably wouldn't get much more than that. You know, even on the my most successful video, the most successful video I ever made, which is the lens distortion video, I have 75,000 views on it. Uh, that video for two years now that has been on YouTube. It has made $200 in two years. You know, that is the most successful video I've ever made. So keep that into perspective. If I had one video per month like that, of that level of views, if it was really advanced compositing tutorials, I probably would get 200 bucks a, a month, okay? Do you really think it's worth it for you to do a high quality 10 minute long tutorial on YouTube to get $200? Do you think so? Yeah, no, that's that's the thing. <laughs> exactly. it, 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 it's basically, it sometimes feel like you get some cents per hour payment. You know, yeah. that's like, if you think back of like how much preparation, how much recording, how much editing, how much like testing, even sometimes I, like, I don't, I don't know how you do it, but sometimes I ask friends or uh, people on my Discord channel is like, uh, how do you like the video? Can I change something? Just that costs me so much time and I probably get under one euro if I even would. I mean, I'm, I'm not even a YouTube partner because uh, I don't uh, push enough hours at the moment. I yeah, have the more four, than enough. 4,000 uh, hours. Yeah, the 4,000 exactly, hours. Yeah. I, but a year, that's the problem. I know. So I, I don't know. have enough enough hours a year. I have more than enough subscriber, but not enough hours. And that's uh, already like something... I was very fortunate that when I first joined YouTube, they didn't have that stupid rule of the 4,000. So it was only the 1,000 subscribers. So yeah. I got into monetization quite quickly. Uh, but my second YouTube channel, I have a second YouTube channel called Hugo's Desk Live, which I have almost 1,000 subscribers now. That channel is dedicated just for me to drop my full streams, you know, because people ask me, could you just put, because, you know, Twitch deletes the streams after 90 days. So people ask me, could you keep the streams somewhere so we can watch them? The full thing, without editing, you know, like the whole thing. 
three hours, four hours long. And I said, ah, fine, I'll do a YouTube channel for that. So I, I dropped that on that channel. Every week I drop a, a, one of my old streams and I'm going to drop every my all my Twitch streams there. That channel took me two years to reach the 4,000. Took me two years to get the 1,000 subscribers. Only just now, I finally have that channel monetizing. And I have usually... 200 to 500 views on each of these streams, which is really a lot if you think about it. Like having having 500 people watching a four-hour stream, I'm happy with that. I'm very happy that I got 400 people or 500 people to watch a four-hour Twitch stream. But that channel is maybe doing two bucks a month, three bucks a month, maybe something like that. You know, So none of this is worth it. None of it. What are we doing, Alex? We should all close down our YouTube channel. None of this is worth it. But that's not the point. That's not the point. You know, that's not the point. I do my work because I love doing my work, my professional work. That pays my bills. So that allows me to do the channel. And I'm very happy to do it. And I I think of it as an investment. You know, I think of it, okay, it's going to stay on for decades. It's going to stay on unless YouTube closes, you know. So... It will eventually lead to other things. It will become a legacy. It will become something that will be watched a few years from now. And I'm happy to see my own self evolved like a record of what I've done. And I'm going to get older on the channel as well because the channel is already six years old. You know, soon it's going to be 10 years old. You can already see when you watch my first video and the video now, you can already see me with less, like with more uh, gray hair and more older. And it's I love that. I love that idea that I'm getting I'm going to be having this record on YouTube for decades now. And I, I, I like to talk about these topics. And I, I even if I have 10 people, whenever I have these videos with thousands of views, I, I always have like, you know, five, 10, 20 comments of people really enjoying it, saying, oh, I love that. Oh, I love it so much. And that's really what drives me. You know, I get messages every day. You know, I don't want to blow my own horn but you know alex i literally get messages every day from people saying and i quote you know Hugo, thank you so much for everything you know i now have a job and i i feel your channel really helped me and i you watched my show reel on your stream and it really helped me i got a job now i get messages every day from people saying i love your channel i watch it all the time i give it to my students or messages of people saying oh your channel really helped me to with my struggles with mental health or my this really, really makes me so happy when I get these messages. You know, I get those messages almost every day. People don't know it because these are private messages and I'm never going to show them, never going to tell anyone what's written there. These are private messages that people send it to me on a private forum and private uh, messaging service. So, so, but I, I, it makes me so happy inside that I've helped someone, you know, like, because I, I wish... I wish more people helped each other and everyone helped each other. So if I can help 10 people on a channel, I think my job was worth it. You know, like I'm not saying this is charity, but I I like to help people. And I think that we all should do this uh, because not everything is about earning money. For me, it's more valuable that I get to help these younger people to succeed on their careers and on their aspirations and dreams. It's more valuable that than getting the the potential five hundred or six hundred dollars on YouTube. I can get my money somewhere else. You know, I can get my money from something else. And then this is different because I feel like like 
yeah, I, 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 I make that's what it really drives me. And and as much as much as I also get hate emails and hate messages, I still get more good messages than bad, and that's enough for me. You know, so I think that's also the point that I wanted to make by by looking at the, at your numbers a little bit is kind of like because there is this this thing at the moment of uh pretending and taking the social media road for for advancing careers or or your whatever you you want to sell either you got a freelancer or whatever and i feel like um like there's sometimes this kind of like yeah just open a youtube channel or just do that or that and and that will be kind of like if you have a course open a youtube channel then you will sell it or if you have something go into facebook groups and then kind of uh, sell your your show reel or your your product or whatever you want to sell there basically you know like basically sell and also on, on linkedin i mean that's one of the worst thing ever uh, it's like everyone is ceo on linkedin from something <laughs> and it's like uh, it's kind of becoming ridiculous especially like i never try I rarely trust someone if he has like 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 seven titles in his in his title card. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. like especially if they're like super creative, you know, making people happy. Uh you, you know, I don't know, this this kind of weird position. These are not real positions, but they're kind <laughs> of like statements. Um no, but what what I wanted to to kind of um show also with you together is kind of like YouTube is an, is rarely an it's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. that's what it is it is the only thing it's like like you and me i bring we both can agree it's like it opened doors for us mostly like it, it definitely opened more doors for me than closed for sure yeah, yeah yeah um and i feel like it is an opportunity to express ourselves but also an opportunity to get things that we normally wouldn't get yeah you know like people like notice you because you're just more out there you know and if you did something extraordinary people will like Oh, I love love your whatever video or whatever you did. Um, I want to hire you because for me, you're the expert in that, and I want to do that. So I will hire you. And you're like, oh, I will. I will never thought I will work for Sony, Weta, whatever, you know. But through all this like work, you know, for example, my open source pipeline Plex, which is open source, um, is I became so many connections to people, and I actually kind of it became something that I shared because I wanted to create it because I missed it when I was doing this this uh, this course. job um now it becomes my my stable in a way that I'm when I'm applying for a job I show this is the best I can do and and also if I apply for a job I feel so, sometimes people come to me and say we saw your open source pipeline and we love you to come here and be a technical director on our project because we know your quality and whatever or we use that for years and now we want to kind of pay you back in in some capacity so i feel like this is kind of a thing so i just want to make sure that people understand that it's like the time investment and what you get out of it especially like with social media stuff which is youtube instagram twitter whatever it is 99 not worth it yeah yeah. And the moment you recognize that, you either shut it down, which I generally would recommend sometimes. I'm I'm like, I'm sometimes like also on, on some parts <laughs> of like, because it, it costs you mental energy. Even if you don't do any video, it costs you this mental energy where you always feel like I should do that. I know. And you I know. think about that. Yeah. So sometimes it's better to just like, that's why I, for example, canceled my Facebook account. I now have one, but very small, didn't do anything on that. But because I felt like it cost me mental energy kind of and um i just want to make it like very clear that it this is there are better ways 
than YouTube or something if that's not your your main primary objective. You know, it's not not your primary objective to create videos or share experiences or whatever. If it's just to promote something yourself, there are like ways that that cost less time. <laughs> you know, like just making a showreel that is kick-ass where you spend five months on it would probably give you more than than 40 YouTube videos. Yeah. Or career-wise. Ab- so absolutely. For example. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> so I just just wanted to 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 bring that down because I feel like people um and I've, as you mentioned also with your online course, people uh, a lot of people don't recognize uh like, oh, why should I pay for that? It's on there's a, there's millions of other courses on YouTube or or 10 euro course on Udemy where I'm like I mean I mean I always say like if that's what if that's if that brings you forward take the 10 euro course on Udemy yeah of course of course I I have no qualms with that like I've uh, people always complain your course is too expensive your course is too expensive uh, I know that my course is not expensive so because I've done other courses I've I've teached at Scape I've teached at National Film Television School. My course is literally the same course I used to teach Escape. Um, they they charge fifteen thousand pounds for the course. Uh, I charge five hundred bucks. So it's like I I don't feel it's expensive. You get a bunch of footage. You get a bunch of stock. Fo- you you get, sorry. You get a bunch of professional pr- production footage for your showreel. You get like those one hundred and fifty classes. You get access to me on Discord. You can contact me at any time. We have private calls. We have group calls. My my students are taken care of for sure, and some people understand that that's worth it. Other people's don't. I've also, I'll be honest, Alex. I I take it. I've also given away my course uh, for a lot of people for free on either lotteries on Twitch. I've done that many times. I have like, I think I have like fifty people on my course that are that won the course from my streams or my YouTube channels where I'm giving away courses. Uh, I've also like been contacted by people really, you know, pledging to me like, oh, I mean, I don't have money for this. I really can't. But could you help me? And I do help them, you know, like I lower the course or allow them to do installments or sometimes I've even given it away when I find out that the person could never afford it, you know. So I have done that many times. Um, You know, I have about 500 students, um, you know. People on Reddit always complaining, oh, he has 500 students, he's rich now, he has a million. No, I don't. Like, a lot of them didn't pay. A lot of them paid less. A lot of them, like, it's it's not really what people think, really, my course. My course is a mentored course, you know. I'd like to, I've also, like, took people away from the course as well. Like, sometimes people are not a good fit, and I just refund them and say, you know, you know what, this is not going to work. You are not the kind of student I want, and you're not the kind of person that should be on my course. So I'll refund you and I'll remove you access from the course. Um, I've done that as well. This is a, it's a very, I don't want to sound like, like, uh, like Dawn from Fast and Furious, but it's like a family, you know, like we, we have these really close relationships on my Discord, on my private Discord for my course. We have a lot of characters on my course, a lot of people that help each other. We, it's, it is a family. There's like, not all 500 are there on Discord, of course, but there's at least a hundred of them that are always there every day, helping each other and supporting each other and giving jobs to other people and and a lot of people have worked together as well and so it is a community i am i am creating a little small community and and it's my goal is not really to sell it on udemy it's not really to sell it as a course like that this is a personal course you know people 
get to talk to me privately. We get to like hang out on Zoom calls. We they get access to all these videos. I answer my I am sometimes I I don't answer right away. I know that sometimes I'm too busy, but I try to answer all my students all the time. Try to help them as much as I can. Um, sometimes I even find job offers for them. You know, so so it's 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 a relationship. I like them and they like it as well. And and so it's really not the same as a tutorial that you just buy. You know, like it's not the same. Um, if anyone expects to buy my course and just get the login and they're gonna watch the class and they're gonna become an expert. No, that's not gonna be how it works. It's not like that. That's not how you become a composer either. It takes years <laughs> because people people always tell me like, oh, uh, how long will it take? Like, can I become a composer after I watch it? Does it take what twenty hours, forty hours, fifty hours? And I always tell them, well, you won't be become a composer in the fifty hours or sixty or seventy five that it takes to do the course. Um, I'm still learning and I've been a composer for twenty years. So it probably will take you at least two years to even become good enough to call yourself a composter. So people just don't know that because they're so used to buying the course on Anatomy and, oh, shit, I know Nuke. Oh, I know the, uh, uh, Udini. Oh, I know Maya. No, you don't. You just know the, the buttons. <laughs> you see, that's the thing. You know the buttons and you know where things are. Do you, can you really do an image that looks photoreal? Could you do a lighting setup that looks nice? Could you do a good key? Can you actually track this shot? That's the thing. Like, like experience is really the key thing here. It takes years. And those things you do not learn in courses. It You learn it by having the course and experimenting and taking your time and taking years. I have some students that have been watching the videos over and over for like a year now, you know, and they're the ones getting better and better and better, you know, because they are really doing it like a degree, because that's how we used to do when we did degrees on universities. We used to spend the whole year for several years focusing on that. And I think a lot of people are looking for the easy way out. And there's no easy ways, really. <laughs> there, there's nothing easy about this. I mean, that's that's the thing, because the, the, the promotional is also a lot of times that way. You know, a lot of people like uh, promote that, a lot of like courses or whatever as like life coaching sometimes. You know, if you did this course, your life will be great. If you did this course, uh, for me, for me, for example, I had the same problem. I, I just released Python Advanced course, basically for a technical artist, director and developer, basically who, who want to use Python as part of their daily work you know python is part of of, of that what i do um and and for example my course is even double the price of yours <laughs> so we're not even like you know so so for me it's even harder but but the reason for that is first one is also mentored because i be believe you can be by without mentoring but i don't believe that will uh, stick as much or will give you the thing and and it's always about value i mean you can watch millions of hours of youtube videos and if you watch like 20 hours 40 hours of of the right videos you get the knowledge and then if you stick to it for a while if you if you practice it for a while that's the reason why you get hired not because you watched one million courses on udemy yeah, or yeah. youtube it is because you watched the right courses that that was showing you the right things and you were practicing it and i i say like also on my page I, because i was thinking about how i want to approach this like you get something out of it the value part i was like if you do this course and you're able to stick to that for one or two hours or two years then you will you you have the you have a good shot at at this career 
You know, if you if you if you want to become a technical director and you do this course, this will add the Python part to your course. And if you stick for it for one or two years and push forward, then you have a shot, a good one. But anything else, I cannot promise. Like you know, like like what else can I say? Don't you think, Alex, that there is now a trend? This started happening since we have online courses, especially Udemy, and especially I'm not bitching about Udemy. They have a lot of good courses as well. But there's a lot of websites that sell hundreds of courses for like 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 40 bucks. I think there's a trend now that a lot of people buy the courses. They just buy and buy and buy and buy and buy and butcher them and always like say, oh, I have 30 courses on Udemy. I have 30 courses on FXPHD. I have these 20 courses. But it's almost like they're hoarding the courses. They're just collecting courses. It's like buying books or buying uh, yes. buying films. You bought seven, you know? ten self-help books. Now you feel like you you found the exactly, answer, exactly. But it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah, no, it absolutely. doesn't work that way. That's the thing, and people forget about that. And I, I, whenever I get an email from someone saying, "Oh, this is an outrage. Your course is way too expensive," uh, I always answer the same way. I always turn to them and explain why it's so expensive. And I always say, but you know what? You're probably not the correct person to buy my course. I think you should go and buy this one instead because this one is 20 bucks. That's the one you should go and get. And then they sometimes even thank me. Oh, I didn't know that one. And then they go away and they disappear forever. But that's the thing. I'm not interested in having people that don't get it also, like because people have to understand that this industry is not as easy as, as all these videos and all these tutorials and YouTube channels make it sound like. It is literally rocket science, this thing. And this is not easy. <laughs> Let me know. Like, it is not easy at all. It's like Formula One. It's like the top of the game. Doing Nuke or Houdini or Mai or Lighting or, or Arnold. This is like science fiction level stuff. It's really hard and difficult. You need to be creative and technical and mathematician, but also artistic. It, it's really tough. And... Then also on top of that, you need to learn the software. And on top of that, you need to have good inspiration. You have to have good references. And on top of all of that, you still have to have a good work edit. And you have to have good concentration. And you have to be good to work with a team. And you have to be good to respond to a team. And you have to be good to work together with others. It's so complicated. <laughs> it's so complicated. It's not easy at all. There is no way you can learn that on just randomly searching YouTube. I can categorically guarantee you that that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Yeah, absolutely you know? agree. Yeah, My, might as well. You just go in and get like the mentored classes from Steve Wright, or you get the mentor classes from Victor Perez, or you like go and find people that can mentor you and talk and help you and, and teach you. Stay away from just the random babble on YouTube because it's just a lot of nonsense and a lot of stuff from people that have never worked in the industry ever. And I keep saying this on all my videos on whenever I do this. I, I did a video on YouTube called uh, How to Get a Job, and I explained that on that video. Always go to Internet Media Database, always go to LinkedIn and go and check who that person is. If you watch a video on YouTube from a person that you cannot find, that is a bad sign. That is an alarm bell. If you can't find the LinkedIn page, if you cannot find the Internet Movie Database, if you cannot find the showreel, if you cannot find even the name of the person, because maybe there's not even name on a YouTube channel, I would be very reluctant to watch the video. 
I would be like, who is this person? Where has he worked? Is he just babbling something you learn on another video? You know, so that's the thing. Like people should do their research and really take their teachers to account and really make sure they are good enough to be teaching. And because YouTube is not going to police that, no one is going to police that. So you are the one that has to do it yourself, you know. Again, I probably, I repeat myself here. I can only agree on everything that you said. And um, that's one of the things of the pain points that you come with growth. You know, it's the same thing with being a supervisor and having people under you is like, you don't want to, to work with some people. And even as a teacher who gets money from people, I I want to be excited. I don't want people to 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 piss on me and tell me how like oh this is not what I what I expected that you get is like yes but reality is not what you expect reality is not what you have on YouTube if you think that because that's the thing I, I have a lot of time like, like not a lot but it's slowly coming I feel like it's like people come with expectations that that like man if you want to learn Python I teach you Python but it will be from eight weeks five weeks Python and three weeks Maya Python. Because I need to give you basics. I cannot just like, I mean, I can do an eight weeks course where we just uh, do explosions with Python in Maya all the time, but this will help help you zero because you will make something, but when it comes back to work, you don't know because the situation is different. It's not the thing that we did on the course. And so I feel like this is this, this what you basically mentioned is dissonance between reality and, uh, or pretended reality and what actually will give you value is something that I'm kind of looking for a student now. So I'm picking as much the student as the student picks me. And I feel like this is the same for you because at the end it of the is, day, yeah. it has to be a match because if it's not a match, your 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 knowledge will not anchor. They uh, will give you an experience that you will start to want less and less of that. Of course, you, know, you start course, to kind yeah. of, I don't want to do courses because if I have this kind of lazy students, I don't want to have a course anymore. Yeah. You know, that's kind of. No, no, thing. I, I've I've refunded people that that you know I've refunded people and told them maybe you shouldn't do this course because they tur turned to me and said something like, uh, "I asked them, okay, so have you watched the first five weeks, the introduction stuff?" And no, I don't need that. I already know it. You know, like, ah, do you really? Have you watched <laughs> it? You probably should go and watch it. No, I already learned it. I've watched on YouTube and that's like you should really go and watch it. And then they just can emphasize that they don't need to watch anything. They just want to go to the final classes. Oh, where's the CG composting stuff? And I'm like, you know, you know, you are aware that when you are a composter, it probably will take you five years to even get full CG shots on your career before you even touch them as a junior. You probably want to go and learn the cleanup and the painting and the king. And then they turn to me like, ah, I don't want to know those things. I don't want to do those things. And that's the stage where I kind of go back and say, so you don't want to be a composter then, I guess. No, I want to be a CG composter. Well, that doesn't exist. So you mean you want to be a lighter? Maybe you should go and learn 3D then instead, because those are the people that are doing CG composting most of the time. So really what you think composting is might not be exactly what you expect. So composting is keying and cleanup, and it's also CG, of course, but it's a lot of wrapping up and, and warping and morphing and removing wires a lot of stuff that no one knows and it's all invisible and sometimes you don't even you can't even talk about that work and a lot of people have the wrong idea <laughs> they really have the wrong idea it's the same when when they contact me saying where should i like i literally get messages of people men, men sending me a message saying why should i buy your course since unreal is out i don't need to know nuke and i'm like 
what does Unreal have to do with Nuke? Like, <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry, like, oh, because we don't need composting anymore. Oh, you think we don't need composting anymore? That's okay. That's fine. Like, like, go and learn Unreal and, and try to pull a key or a roto there. Then I, I think people really have the wrong idea. And I, I think it's like you said, Alex, like, it's just misunderstanding and miscommunication. And they get, they get real, they, they get the Kool Aid from all these marketing videos explaining that it's all so easy and it's all so cool and visual effects will never be the same with this and that. Man, I've been working for 20 years. Every five years, we have something that will come around and kill everything else, and everything else is still here. Look, look at Photoshop. <laughs> look at Photoshop. Look at Maya. How many times that anyone said Maya is going to be dead now? Is it? Because it's not yeah. dead yet. Like, I, Photoshop is dead now. Is it? Not yet. Like, none not of right. it will be dead. None of it. They will only be dead if the company closes. That's different. Like, Shake, the company closed. But the software will still be there. It doesn't really matter. The software doesn't matter. People keep keep focusing on the wrong thing. The technique and the the core skills is what matters, not the software. If you become a good composter in Nuke, I can guarantee you can do the good job in After Effects as well. Can guarantee you can do a good job in Fusion as well. You probably will take a few weeks to get used to the interface, but you'll get there because it's the same shit. So it's just people have the wrong idea of what this job is. I think you know that's really the key thing. I think I think that was that was the perfect ending for this episode. <laughs> but we all, what I what I added to that, and I love to do that at the end, is like I would like to to get, to ask you ten personal questions just okay. about you. You know, not okay. about your profession, about you, because I I always always like to uh, to get a little bit of a glimpse of this person that we we have. It's very quick, so let's let's just dive into. So the first one is always. Biggest inspiration, living dead or fictional? Uh, I would, I, I cannot, you know, Stanley Kubrick is my biggest inspiration. It's always been, it will always be. I know everything about him. I have all the books, all the films. I've watched all the exhibitions. I've watched it four times now. Uh, yeah, it's definitely my biggest inspiration. It's my favorite director, you know. There's a lot of other directors, but he is definitely always on top for me, yeah. Do you have a favorite quote? Maybe now, at the moment? Ah, I'm, that's a hard one. I don't really, I'm very good at memory. I'm very good at, at uh, memory, but I'm going to paraphrase. It's going to be a Kubrick quote as well. There's a, there's a really famous speech that he does when he gets an award uh, from the Guild of America. And it's something like this. I'm paraphrasing. He's talking about Icarus of trying to reach the sun and then his wings melt. Um, you know, he's always, at some point he says that the way you should do this is not to become stronger or to fly higher or to try to get better in shape to try to reach the sun. You just probably have to do a better job on the wings instead. Instead of having them on, on instead of having wings that are made of of of, uh, of, um, of paraffin, maybe have wings of metal. So I really like that quote. I'm really paraphrasing it. It's not really that he says it in a much better way, but it really struck a car to me that if you prepare enough, you can probably do anything, really, if you do prepare enough. And if you're unprepared, you need to live with the consequences that you didn't prepare enough for what's coming, you know? So I, I really like that quote. It's the only thing that comes to mind, so I'm, I'm going to stick with that one. Which a little bit cycles back to the, the strong courses and practice. Basically, like you know, it's like you know, don't just like have the fleshy ideas and learn the fleshy things, but really 
like have the fundamentals behind you and not just yeah. like, okay, let's try and see what happens. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not sure. I feel like this is a, a given, but what's the favorite movie? My favorite movie, that's a really hard one. I don't think I'm going to tell you. It, it might not be Kubrick. I have a lot of favorite oh, okay. movies. You know, I have a lot of favorite movies. I love Kubrick by the way that he was a director and the way that he worked as a full career. But I have a lot of favorite movies. It kind of comes and goes, you know. But for me, like anything that either David Cronenberg has made or David Lynch has made or Kubrick has made is always one of my favorites. And because I love their body of work. So it kind of comes and go. I would say that right now, maybe, you know, last week I rewatched Crash from David Cronenberg. That's probably my favorite film at the moment because <laughs> I just watched it and watched the behind the scenes and the, the audio commentary. And it's probably the best film I've watched this year. I oh, know it's it's from 96, but I've rewatched it. I haven't watched it in more than 10 years. So it really comes and goes, Alex. I don't really have always a favorite film. It kind of changes. Maybe you can answer this one, like favorite place to live. Oh, so London? far, yeah, it is London. So far, yeah. I've lived in Lisbon, in Porto. I've lived in uh, Caldas, in Portugal. I've lived in Sweden, in Uppsala, and now in London. By far, it's the best place. Because of the because of all of the melting pot that exists in the city, all the different uh, all the different uh, countries, all the people that live here, it's a really international city. It's also an amazing city for vegetarians, a lot of really good food for vegetarians, a lot of really art, a lot of art, a lot of exhibitions, a lot of theater, a lot of cinema. It's just a beautiful place to live. I love it a lot. Yeah, I really like it. I've been here for 12 years now and it's yeah, it's my home now. It is, yeah. Okay. One thing that you cannot live without. Uh, it's my Anna, my wife. Can't really live without her. She's she's my core, and she's the most important thing for me. And she's my inspiration, and she's the reason I do things. And yeah, and she's my confidant as well, and my friend. I do everything and pass everything with her first, you know. So yeah, it would definitely be Anna. So I hope that I never lose her, but you know, I can't control that. But we'll see. <laughs> So she would be the one that you pack when you go onto onto a remote <laughs> island somewhere. It's like, okay, I have a, a one backpack. Uh, okay, not my computer. Yeah, I yeah. Computer. She's my best. She's she's my best friend. So definitely, I would do that. Yeah. What's your hidden talent? Do you have a specific hidden talent you want to share with us? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like I'm. I mean, obviously, it's connected with my work. I'm. I I think I'm a pretty good photographer, but I'm also very good at drawing as well. I guess those kind of things, but. If I have to say what I really wanted to do is I've always wanted to, do, to, 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 to be a pianist and I always wanted to play the piano. I still haven't learned to play the piano. That's what I wanted to do because I do have an inclination for music and I'm pretty good with music and rhythms and with memorizing music and, and I'm very good with music. I've always been. So I guess that is kind of counts like that since I don't want to Photography and drawing is very connected with my work anyway. So I think music is a separate thing anyway. It might be my second career at some point if I can make it. Last three questions. So how far would you succeed and who wants to be a millionaire? If you would play the show on the regular <laughs> terms, not VFX, not movies, all the trivia that they ask normally, how far would you go? Oh, I don't think I would go that far, man. I'm very good with, I'm very bad with names. I'm very bad with locations. I'm not very... I don't know. I don't think I'm intelligent enough to those shows. <laughs> it always feels like a trivia more, but yeah, I know what yeah, you mean. I don't, I don't think I'm good enough for those shows. Those shows require someone that knows a lot of things, a lot of knowledge, and I'm not that person. I, unfortunately, only know a few things. I know them very well, 
but I only know a few things. <laughs> it's the the old thing of like, if there was a, an apocalypse now, I would be screwed because I can't do anything <laughs> except visual effects and compositing, compositing and photos yeah. and things like that. <laughs> it's basically pointless what I do. You know? <laughs> so, but, but who would you uh, use as a phone joker? Oh, I would always call Anna. I would call my wife. She has a lot more knowledge than me and she's much more... Uh, has a lot more culture than me and she knows a lot more she's read more yeah i would call her immediately that would be the first step yeah um one thing you would like to do before you die learning to play the piano would definitely be one of them there's a lot of things but that's one of them i love the piano chopin is by far my favorite composer like i i just love to listen to piano and jazz piano as well yeah i really would like to learn the piano and to play the piano before i die i hope i can do that someday And now the absolute last question. What alternative career would you aspire to if it wasn't like for visual effects, compositing and all this? I don't know. Um, pianist? It, uh, sorry? Pianist? No, no, not pianist. No, I don't think I would be good enough or even have the stomach to become a professional pianist. If anything, you know, if I ever would become a musician, I would become a jazz musician and play maybe on a, on a jazz club, a really small, tiny jazz club somewhere in Europe or something, you know. I think that would be um, enough for me, either a bass player, a piano player, or a drum player, like on one of these bars that they play every night. And yeah, and live pay, pay, uh, paycheck by paycheck. I like that. I like, I like jazz. I love those, uh, that ambience and those, that culture. And, and yeah, yeah, I do. Cool. Thank you very much, Hugo. It was amazing talking to you. It was like, uh, I mean, for the first one, it's like a wish I, I had for years now. Uh, by the way, because you were also, probably no one knows, I had a Patreon account and you were my only Patreon on this account. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I don't have it anymore, but that was kind of a very nice gest gesture from you. So I really appreciated that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, but it was like, uh, it, it was something I, I was, I wanted to do for a long time now. And uh, as, as I mentioned, this health discussion, uh, mental health video kind of brought back this, this memory of like, oh yeah, I want to do that. And so I'm super thankful that, that you took the time for me. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's it's wonderful to be on the show and I, I love what you're doing. Keep doing it, man. Don't give up. And thank you so much for having me. It was it was wonderful. I really enjoyed this conversation. That's it with this week's episode of the 21 Artist Show. Thank you so much for watching and listening. This podcast is 100% ad-free. And to keep it that way, check out my website, 21artistshow.com. There you can find exclusive access to awesome masterclasses and coaching opportunities to work successfully in visual effects, animation, and games. Just go to 21artistshow.com. And don't forget to share it with people who would benefit from that content and tell them they're awesome. See you on the next episode. Next on the 21 Artist Show. So, Alex, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Why don't you, uh, let's start off by, you know, tell us a little bit about how you got started and doing podcasts and videos on YouTube. Oh, first of all, thank you for having me on the show, Hugo. So basically, wait, this is my podcast. That's okay. great. <laughs> Whatever. Let's That's move good, on. man. That's good. That's good. I thought it was great. I think it's going to be good. <laughs>